0: All right, welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Craig, alongside as always, the King of Banter himself, Mr. Joe and Joe, how's it going?
1: Is that new? Throwing in the flagship podcast? I don't think you've ever said that. No, you
0: do it. You always say that, and then I always feel bad because I don't say that when I intro it, and I'm, I'm nothing if not a stickler for consistency. So.
1: I, you know, I just noticed that, you've never said that before
0: I never have, no it was hard, I almost stumbled over it all Because we, we've, for three or four God years, jeez, what a waste of my life uh, we, <laughs> Where have I gone, what am I doing But no, we like I've always done that same intro So I thought, I'd run the flagship there Because you know, people know us as that now we, we say flagship and people know what that means Which um, is interesting, I don't know Did we start that or did we grab it from somebody I, I don't know where that term even began But you just start, It's true, just,
1: it's not You just started using it one day
0: Oh did I, okay, so it's my fault but I have no idea where I got that you, from, but I mean, it's not, it's true. It's fundamentally true. We are the flagship of the voices of wrestling. So that, that that's fine. But, correct. you know,
1: but you started randomly using it one day, but you never said it in the intro. I didn't.
0: Well, you do every time I, when you I do heard. solo shows, you always do. So, you know, I, I'm and you're not going to be here next week. So I thought I'd get in, the, in kind of the flow of it. So because um, you're leaving us you uh you signed a contract with MLW Radio and uh, you're gone. So
1: I am history. That's correct. <laughs> I, 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 this is my last, it's a one week
0: contract, but it's a contract nonetheless.
1: So. It's my last show <laughs> until two weeks from now. Mm-hmm. I will not be, but I'll tell you,
0: co hosting the Ric Flair show, of course.
1: Yeah, Conrad's out. What's that, what's right.
0: that guy's name? I think, I think Conrad's been out, but, oh, uh, but it is Conrad. It's Conrad Thompson. Yeah. I, think. I, I don't know I, if he's still, I, 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 I'll be honest. I, I tapped out of the Ric Flair show a little while ago. So,
1: well, I mean, I never listened to it, but, um, <laughs> I don't listen to anything, though. I listen to this show, you know that? I listen to this show every week. You. I Why? I record this for 3 hours and then I listen to back to the entire 3 hours usually later that night. Um, okay. Just to see how terrible we sound and the mistakes we made and how many times we repeat ourselves. So
0: <laughs> We're not going to do that this week though. We 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 have to be abbreviated this week.
1: You always say that.
0: No, but this week uh, cuz and and people are, are full. We're recording this on Wednesday at like 6:05 and and if you know any of our pre-show banter or the stuff we discuss sometimes on the air, baseball's kind of important to us and there's, you know, kind of a historic baseball game on today, you know, not later tonight the World Series game 7. So unfortunately, we, we, we do want to make this a little bit shorter. So we'll, we'll we'll do our best to not repeat ourselves seven times before while we are while we're continuing to make a point, we'll continue to repeat our exact same point like six or seven times before we get it out cuz I think that if we took that out, it, our show would be like an hour and a half,
1: but without question
0: we definitely fill that with other things to talk about. Like we would never, No matter what, if we got better at that and more concise about that, we'd still fill it with other stuff. We would talk about Heat Up, you know, heat up having record attendance or whatever, but on this particular show, we can't do that. No. And it's going to make some Heat Up fans very upset, because I, I promised we would do that, but then...
1: Well, you know. well, you're just did.
0: Well, there we go. Yeah, they had record attendance. Good for them. Good for old Heat Up. They
1: doubled their record.
0: Which is not bad. That's pretty good.
1: Heat Up is heating up.
0: <laughs> it's literally Heat Up right are, now. Are so you that... going to watch it? Um, uh, you know, yeah, maybe, yes. Yeah, I will. There's, Why
1: there's not? no chance you're watching the heat-up show.
0: <laughs> I but Now I will, because, you know, if it, if it's getting a buzz, if it's not, because it's just like the dread, like, the, the sleazy indies, and I know, like, people are always like, oh, you gotta watch this, you gotta watch that, and there are a lot of things that I do, I do enjoy sometimes when I watch my sleazy indie, but it's so hard when there's, like, 12 people in the audience, you can just hear, like... Audible, like, echo in. The, like, I can't do that. It, it really hurts. But if they got a big crowd there and, you know, it's a slick looking production, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll watch that. There is
1: 0% chance you're watching The Heat Up Show. Oh, damn it. What do you say, Lou? Oh, Louie <laughs> knows it too. Louie knows you're not watching it. <laughs> he knows i yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is his way of communicating that you're a liar. He knows you're not watching that.
0: Uh, Dollar Shave Club, who was gracious enough to sponsor this week's episode of the Voice Wrestling Podcast. And Joe, as you know, and many listeners here know, you don't have to choose between price and quality to get an amazing and affordable shave. DollarShaveClub.com is the answer to prove how amazing their shave really is. Right now, they're going to give you your first month for free to join the club. DollarShaveClub.com delivers amazing razors right to your front door for a third of the price what those greedy big razor corporations charge. And Joe, I know you like to fight big razor more than anybody. I hate big, hate I
1: hate big razor.
0: <laughs> Gillette, we're coming for you, Gillette. And uh what's the other what what am I I'm blanking on the other Who who else is Big Razor? You got Gillette, who who else you got nick? Dick makes big Razor. Oh yeah, screw those. Assholes, you know, unless they want to sponsor us, and then in case, you know, we'll, we'll take them. But no, we, we don't like Big Razor, Joe. You hate Big Razor, I hate Big Razor, and you hate Big Razor because you want price and quality at the same time. And here's your chance to see why over 3 million members, like me, like Joe, and like many of our loyal listeners, love Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club is so confident in the quality of all their products that now you can get your first month of the club for free. You just pay shipping. After that, it's just a few bucks per month. No long-term commitment. No hidden fees. There's really no reason not to do it. So get yours today at dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. We've heard from many listeners who have done it. Many people, everybody says, thumbs up. Love Dollar Shave Club. Love it. I use your guys' link. I use your code. and Everything was super easy to do. And and of course, I got the first month for free. So why the hell wouldn't I do it? So anyway, voice uh, dollarshaveclub.com slash voices to get that first month free. Joe,
1: what do we lead off with? Well, I'll tell you, I, as you were doing that read, I took my pants off because it was just way too hot in this room. So everyone could enjoy that visual as uh, we work our way through this show. Uh, we didn't really <laughs> – What? <laughs> I just had – I was hot, man. I mean I got the air
0: – You got Mac Weldon under there or what do you got? I do got the Mac
1: Weldon under there. But okay. I, I had the uh, –
0: I just want to make sure you're not like, I don't want, like, speaking to you naked would make me very uncomfortable, so. And I,
1: listen, I'm like, also.
0: Promise me you're wearing something.
1: I'm also very anti-big underwear, so, you know, it's all. Hanes, it's all
0: about- yeah, screw you Hanes for the loom, go to hell.
1: Yeah, but, uh, I don't know, it was hot, I mean, I got the air on, but okay. I obviously can't get to the thermostat while I'm doing the show, and I was just thinking to myself, it's very hot in here, I'm <laughs> uncomfortable, I'm gonna do this baby. Were you
0: wearing shorts before, or were you wearing
1: pants? I had pants on. Which, well, why are you wearing pants?
0: I don't know. That was, bad. I, that was a bad move. I never podcast in pants because if you get hot, you know, you know, like, yeah, I, it's it's. I'm wearing shorts right now. Yeah, I always gotta wear shorts.
1: I don't even usually have pants on in in the house. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm the guy where the pants are coming off as I'm walking through the garage into the house. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason to have your pants on in a house.
0: Tell your broad to make a Salisbury steak for you while you're uh, <laughs> you just got done working at the factory.
1: Salisbury steak. That is a blue collar meal. Let me tell you. Um, I haven't had a Salisbury steak in a long time. When's the last time you had a Salisbury steak?
0: I don't know if I've ever had a Salisbury steak,
1: to be honest. I've had a Salisbury steak. I'm not a big fan of the Salisbury steak, but now I kind of feel like I have to have one because I haven't had one in so long. You know what I mean? Um, maybe when I'm in New Jersey next week, I'll have my mother make me a Salisbury steak. There That's probably go. the last time I had one. I'll tell you another thing when I'm in New Jersey. I will be at, since I won't be on the show next week, I would like to let people know, I will be at that Jersey All-Pro 20th Anniversary show in Rawway, New Jersey.
0: Well, you wouldn't miss it for the world. That's why you're going to New Jersey, of course.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I planned my entire uh, (laughs) 2016 around the Jersey All-Pro 20th Anniversary show. Okay, when you got Monster Mac in a Cage Match main event, I mean, you know... You
0: You can't miss that. No, you can't miss that. that. Uh, Especially the 20th Anniversary, which is is just incredible.
1: But I will be at that show, so if anybody's in the New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania area, and and I have talked to some people who uh, plan on coming, uh, listen, firm handshakes for everybody as the people of dallas texas wrestlemania weekend can attest to joel anza will give you a firm handshake if you request one so come see me at the jersey all pro show and uh, i'll probably be live tweeting it as well why not
0: uh it's not a bad card i'm looking at it right now not bad
1: it's not bad run it down real quick
0: yeah so you got homicide Lowkey versus the hit squad in the main event it's the cage that that has low key, so that's cool. <laughs> it's uh first time ever, Joe. First time ever, Alberto L. Patron versus Sammy Callahan. That is right up your alley, buddy. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> the Jersey All Pro Wrestling Championship: New Age Punisher B Boy versus Black Jesus. You know, oh, actually, this is actually your hell right here. This is actually, I, I, on second thought, like while I enjoy this card, it has pretty much everybody that you hate. In one way or another.
1: This this show has so many names that I, I haven't seen. <laughs> I,
0: once I saw this match, I was like, oh, dear God. I think Joe hates like five of the guys in this in this match. So. I
1: haven't seen so many of these guys in years. So it should be interesting. What what else we got on there?
0: Yeah, so we got uh, the uh, best of the light heavyweights for the uh, Jersey All-Pro Light Heavyweight Championship. It's Arizel, Pinky Sanchez, Arcadia, JT Dunn, Johnny Silver, Sug D, Joey Janella, and Steve Scott.
1: Asriel, you mean.
0: Oh, Azrael, that's right.
1: Old school uh, Lucha uh, rules. Ring of Honor dude, Azrael. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah you... I didn't know it was the same guy. Jeez. Yeah,
1: who, who else? You yeah, Joey Janella in there. Who else is it? There? There's like a million guys. How many guys are in that match? Jeez.
0: Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. eight. Eight ways. So there you go. Lucha rules tag Drago and Aerostar versus uh, EYFBO. I have no idea what that is. So you'll have to clue me in on that. I, I'm not aware. I can't is help it you. FBO? Is it IFBO? or is it because it's all in caps? So I assume it's a an acronym, but I have no idea. Three way women's Alicia, Diana Perazzo, and then Sumi Saki. Nice. Mm-hmm. I don't see. I don't see our uh, the the tempura boys though. Can't believe she'd go here without the Tempura boy. Maybe they're going to be secret stars. In
1: Eyfbo, this. by the way, is uh, Angel Ortiz and Mike Drastic. Rich. Oh, okay, all right. How dare you not know? Uh...
0: I apologize. I will. Um, I'll just edit this out. Uh, I, I'm That's a joke. The H effect. Dixie, Deranged, and Insane Dragon versus Magic, J Lover, and Crazy Ivan.
1: Crazy. Listen. I legitimately haven't seen Crazy Ivan wrestle a match. I'm going to give you the year because I know this. As you should. The last time I saw Crazy Ivan wrestle was probably 1996 <laughs> in Lake Hiawatha, New Jersey. Either that or Scotch Plains High School in 1997. I can't But Crazy Ivan, I can't believe he's on this card, and I can't believe he's still going. This guy did, he's probably the last remaining pro wrestler doing an evil Nazi gimmick.
0: Yeah, look, uh, I'm looking at his alter egos, and one of them is Skinhead Ivan, which thankfully he does not know. He no longer goes by, but you know, if you're a heel,
1: that you know, you know. Uh, yeah. Last, I, last I knew, he was still doing like an evil Nazi gimmick, which I got to give him credit. You don't see. Me, you, you,
0: no, that's that's really yeah. That's it. Kind of died in like 1947, but I like that he's still kind of keeping it going. So that's that's
1: he. You know, it's like not politically correct to be an evil Nazi these days. You know, what I mean, you can get away with that into the 90s. But once it crossed over into the 2000s, those gimmicks sort of went away. You know what I mean? It's like sort of like the salt throwing Japanese man. They don't take it that quite that far anymore either. So I cannot believe Crazy Ivan. I'm, I'm you know what? I'm pumped up now. Crazy Ivan got me pumped up. What was that match? Give me that whole match again.
0: That was the H effect. Was Dixie Deranged and Insane Dragon versus Magic J Lover and Crazy Ivan.
1: Some more like two thousand three ish ROH names in there, you know. So this is a, this is such a Jersey All Pro card. What else?
0: Do we have? <laughs> it's perfect. the The rest of the card is, is right up your alley too. You got. Uh, well, I, this one. Apparently, I don't, there's really
1: also sure. twenty five matches on this card. So
0: uh, there are quite a lot. Yeah, Kyle the Beast versus the Cambodian Axe Murderer Joker.
1: Wait, the Cambodian Axe Murderer Joker is one man. Yes. I can't wait to see that man. He sounds. Interesting.
0: I, they should put him against Crazy Ivan if they were really booking to, uh, you know, some some smart uh, people. Okay, the, now the last two matches right up your alley: CCW Showcase, Joe DJ Hyde versus Matt Tremont.
1: Oh my god!
0: So you make sure you're in the door. You know, you're that, you're that
1: talking is... me out of this show. As <laughs> yeah,
0: it's really not helping. The yeah. There are a lot of people you do not like on this show. I mean, it, there's a lot of people you do like, I mean, but this,
1: this card is terrible. What else?
0: It's it's it's, and then you got tag team action: Team Russell Pro. Pat Buck and Kevin Matthews versus the private party. So don't get don't get shot on Joe while you're there who's, in the front row. The, so <laughs> so keep keep a low profile. I know you want to be out there shaking hands, but uh, you got Buck and Matthews out Let's there.
1: See, uh... I'll say hello to Buck and Matthews. I got no problem uh, with that. You... Who who uh who's the private party?
0: Um, you're asking me. I am. Like I I know anything you're about not, you're not up on your real.
1: sleazy Jersey indie. So it's
0: no. Let's see locker room. Let's see current stars. All right, are, are they? I got it. I
1: got I... it. I got it. Private party right, is uh. Mark Quinn and Isaiah okay. Cassidy. Now, Mark Quinn, th- here's how it's spelled, Rich. This is interesting. Mark is M-A-R-Q, and Quinn is Q-U-E-N. So is it, is it Queen or Quinn? I think it's just a quirky way to spell Mark Quinn.
0: That's that's what my guess would be, yeah. but
1: uh, This man is a uh, from New York City. He's been wrestling since, well, you know, we don't have the – current information on that on mark, <laughs> right, on mark quinn looks like he's got matches going all the way back to 2001 it looks like he's a hog guy predominantly that house of glory gimmick so uh yeah that card sounds atrocious but i will be
0: but you do get to see uh the jersey all pro hall of fame class of 2016
1: Oh, so who's going in
0: with the music with the great music uh the WWE hall of fame music. you got homicide low-key and a hit squad your entire main event well, is going in. i have to
1: tell you all kidding aside, those four men belong in the Jersey All-Pro. They
0: do. They do. I mean, yeah. That, that's...
1: Those are four men synonymous with Jersey All-Pro, uh, for whether it's uh, Rawway, where I will be attending the show next sa- next Saturday, or whether it's uh, when they would run Carteret, New Jersey. Those four men are staples, along with the likes of— The hit
0: squad's the same as they've always been, right? That's It's and Mac. Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, you know,
1: th- 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 those are worthy Jersey All-Pro Hall-of-Famers now— I can't believe I'm paying money to watch DJ Hyde wrestle Matt Tremont. I
0: and went all the way across the country to, for the right to and see flying it, flying uh, two
1: thousand miles to do so,
0: and maybe visiting your mom on the way there. You know, it's,
1: perhaps, it's not, it's not a bad perhaps, idea. To, to get some Salisbury steak. But to, to why? I mean, I had no idea. That that was a match on this card. I'll tell you what Jersey All Pro did though for this one. Look, they got some CCW on there, they got some Wrestle Pro on there. You know, it's like
0: you, the East Coast. Yeah, it's like the East Coast super show right there. That's it's not a bad if you like that style. If you like that's pretty good. You're getting a good little card for your money.
1: There's gonna be people that are super into it. Uh a lot of these matches are my cup of tea. I'm pumped up for Crazy Ivan. I gotta be honest. I mean, I haven't seen Crazy Ivan wrestle in like 20 years. I can't believe he's still kicking. The only person missing from this show, and you won't get this reference, and neither will 99% of the people. (laughs) Well,
0: good. Then please do make it on this podcast. It's just
1: a damn shame that Joe Rules is not on this show. Because if Joe Rules was on this show. I hope it was. Is
0: that with a Z? I hope it's It's not.
1: There's no Z. Damn it. He was not a a Z. Didn't he come up in the 90s? He came up in the 90s. He did. And how do you not replace an S with a Z if you came up in the 90s? It's ridiculous. But let me tell you, the 1% of the people who know who Joe Rules is are dying on the other end of this podcast. I would love to see Joe Rules wrestle. In, in 2016. But I, hey, at least I'm getting crazy, Ivan. OK, so and listen, I, I I'll go to this show. I will live tweet it. And Rich, it'll be the return of Joanne's accounting the heads. You will get an accurate head count and you will know exactly how many people are at this show. So there you go. That that's
0: a gimmick we used to. It used to be a heavy gimmick in our uh, our show, but we we stopped doing it mostly because I go to a lot of shows, but I don't feel like doing it anymore because people would be like, "Oh, you're doing the head count gimmick," and I was like, "Oh, okay, it got
1: it. us in trouble with Pat Buck to come full circle." Uh, y- you know, yeah.
0: So you can uh, you can do it and then uh, try to clarify through him if <laughs> if he agrees uh, with your number. Do you know that Jersey All Pro Wrestling has a video on demand service? I do. Nine ninety nine a month for uh, all past. I'll Jersey tell All-Pool you Wrestling. what
1: they have a very good library.
0: There's a, yeah, there's a lot of sleeper shows on there um, in their catalog. Yeah, we're
1: picking on this show, but, and, and look, it's not up my alley by any means, but they have an excellent life. I mean, they have a deep history. They've been running forever. Um, They've always
0: brought in pretty good talents, too, um, when they come around town. and, and also, So, yeah, there's probably a lot of good stuff on that. So, that's worth getting for like a month or so, right?
1: Samoa Joe was always a regular. They used to bring Liger, yeah. Liger in all the time. Um, yeah, they, they were, you know,
0: it <laughs> didn't always make money, but they, they brought them in. Yeah. They were
1: always a, a very big deal uh, in terms of indie wrestling, um, not just in New Jersey, but really, you know, people who followed indie wrestling all over. You know, they, they always had big time cards. That probably isn't a bad investment for a month or two, just to, to no,
0: for, yeah, no, not at all. Just to but... take,
1: you know, watch some of their older shows and whatnot. I'm hoping The Falcon makes it out to that show. I, you know, I, oh,
0: Mikey Falcon! Yeah, oh, yeah, I, yeah it's,
1: it's only like a two-hour drive for him. I, you know, and I know.
0: <laughs> and for the, to see that card, well, I mean, jeez. who wouldn't make the tour? <laughs> <drive>
1: to <laughs> he's see? right there across the. He's right across the border in Pennsylvania. Okay, so he he should make the drive if nothing else for the firm handshake. I mean, come on, it's a big opportunity, Rich. How often do you have a chance to shake the hand of a legend? Pet Buck? You son of a bitch!
0: Oh, you. The king of. bitches. I think they. Oh, I was gonna say because they said homicide is, is signing autographs too. If you want to, uh... the
1: king of Banthers is gonna be in the house. My handshakes are free.
0: I wonder if uh, Page will be there. Everybody can uh, freak out about Page and who
1: now? Oh, Page, you know, yeah. El, oh, El yeah.
0: Patron, yeah. Poppies. Listen. Poppy's lady.
1: I'm sure she will be. We might be getting a little <laughs> Voices of Wrestling TMZ action going. Who knows? I, mean, <laughs> I,
0: believe, yeah, I, want, your, I want your eyes through the curtain because, you know, she'll be poking out of the curtain, taking a, you know, Instagram photos. So I want, you, uh, I want you front and center looking at that. So. Could you
1: imagine? I've got to sit through Alberto Del Rio versus Sammy Callahan. <laughs> and, and then a few minutes later, I have to sit through Matt Tremont versus uh, DJ Hyde. I mean, uh, God, this is going to be something else.
0: And then Pinky Sanchez will also be there. And Pinky
1: Black. Sanchez is on. That's
0: like your top five, like, you, least favorite wrestlers.
1: Of all I don't five. think you can book a worse show for me. But will I be there? I will be there, Rich. And I will be there um, without the Voices of Wrestling t-shirts. Don't come.
0: Yeah, that's t-shirts. probably a good idea, yeah. There's
1: not going to be any t-shirts. You keep saying that, Rich. I'm t- telling you. I Listen. It, you got heat. I, there's no heat for me. I know. I okay. Know. Eddie Kingston's not there, so there's no heat. <laughs> now, if I go. <laughs> man legitimately wants to spinning backfist me. But I'm shocked he's not on that show, actually. But uh, that would just completely top it off. If I can get – let me tell you something. You know I never take the picks, right? Let me tell you something. You keep keep it up. I'm going to take a pick with Pat Buck. How about that? And we'll put it on that Voice of Wrestling uh, Twitter feed to show you that there is no heat. (laughs) <laughs> okay, it was years ago. It's water under the bridge.
0: It's still simmering. No, he's still simmering. He's got you on his notepad or his list. He's got a list. Pat Buck's list.
1: <laughs> there's no simmering. Okay, Co- how, I'm surprised. Listen, if Cody and Eddie Kingston were on that show, <laughs>
0: I, then you might be in trouble. Might
1: have a legitimate issue, you know. And t- but but no, there, there's listen. Uh, no heat with any of those men. And okay. I'm gonna see Crazy Ivan, so I'm happy now. Uh, what else? You know, there's another big show coming. What do we open? We don't even know what we're opening up with this week. We we did no. Well, the
0: problem was we we devoted like about 30 minutes to a show that we said we wanted to make short to Jersey All Pro Wrestling, which is not ideal. But uh, yeah, let, let's. I I think I want to talk about the Noah sale because I think that's the most interesting thing that went on this week. Um, at least to our listeners, I think there, there's, there, I, I don't know that everybody, because one of the things I heard throughout the week is, what the hell's going on? Can you guys give some sense to it? What, what does this mean? What? And that's why I kind of think that's probably the best one to lead off with, because it's, it's, it's really interesting right now. We don't know all the details right now, but I think you and I can kind of work through them a little bit and talk about them. So do you want to start with the pro Noah sale? Because I, I really do think that's the most interesting. Sure. All right, let's do it. So October 1st. It was announced that the ownership of Pro Wrestling Noah had been transferred to EastB, I believe it's, or S-B. Uh, it, the translation's a little weird, so I don't know if that's exactly what they're called, but that's a lot. What, what I've been seeing in the translation is EastB. It's a Japanese IT company. Uh, so EastB plans to build towards the future development of Noah as a Pro Wrestling promotion. Uh, Masayuki, uh, is it Uchida? It's Uchida, right? Uchida, Uchida, I don't know what, which one it is, but...
1: Uh, when have we ever pronounced anything correctly, so...
0: Go with Uchida. You want to go with Uchida? We have to at least agree on one.
1: Let's go with Uchida, I guess. I don't you want
0: know. Uchida? Okay, so let's do Uchida. Okay, so Masayuki Uchida will be taking over the role as president of the promotion. Yusuki Fuwa will serve as the new representing director. Akira Taue will remain as a close consultant of both. And Uchida previously served as the president of All Japan Pro Wrestling and also worked as a consultant for Wrestle 1. So now that's kind of the news. That's kind of the press release that got sent out. Here are the juicy details now, and here's the part where I think you and I are going to get some discussion here. Uh, thanks in large part to uh, many people that translated it, Striga. Uh, who does a great podcast on MLW Radio Radio Eastern Lariat. He did a lot of the translations as well to try to give us an idea of kind of what's going on. Chris Charlton as well uh, did a great job just kind of giving some clarity to this. So here are kind of the juicy details. Uh, Tokyo Sports said the process of selling the company was done within the last three weeks. uh, And NOAA seeks reconstruction measures of their own. In addition to the consulting of the Tokyo Chamber of Congress and industry, the company had been busy trying to find a new sponsor. Uh, Now we get a little bit more juicy. In early October, Noah's central figure, Naomichi Marafuji, was able to create a confidential contract with Uchida. And then Maru uh, uh, Marafuji, earlier in the week, said, or after the sale rumor came out, said, A lot of rumor is flying around, but this is the first step towards advancing and growing the legacy my seniors built. Then the last juicy little detail... Kidani, who's, of course, the president of Bushiroad and the owner of New Japan Pro Wrestling and stakeholders in NOAA, previous stakeholders in NOAA, tweeted, I was completely surprised to hear the news of NOAA's acquisition. On behalf of the industry, I hope this heads in a positive direction.
1: Now, do we know if Bushiroad no longer has any stake in the company?
0: I, I, well... I don't know that for a fact, but I do know that they said that this Uchida and all these guys, they like, bought every, like they bought everything. So I, I, you know what I mean? Like that was kind of the term that they've always said. They bought the wrestlers, they bought the ring gear, they bought the look. So I don't know. It could be a thing where Bushiroad still does have a little part in it. I have no idea that detail of it. Um, everybody seems to assume that they're out of it now.
1: That's the problem with this story. No one really knows anything and everyone's just speculating and assuming things. Um, to me, I'd be shocked if Bushiro doesn't still have their piece. I I don't buy for one second that Takake Kadani was blindsided by this and uh you know and 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 Bushiroad is out of the picture. That's just not how business works. Um so I'm not necessarily buying that. It, 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 <sighs> look, it, to me I I don't really have a ton to add to this story because it's it at this point like I said it's mostly just speculation. Um, and 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 people going off of assumptions, and there really hasn't been much more hard news that's emerged in the last 48 hours concerning any of this. And we don't know how much of this is is a work. We don't know how much of this is is Kadani working people. We don't know how much of this. Now, what I do find interesting is, uh, you know, supposedly Marufuji going behind people's backs to um, get Uchida into the fold. Now. And in terms of whether we should be excited about this news, not excited about this news, whether this is good for Noah, bad for Noah, we don't know. Now, as far as Uchida goes, I've seen people saying, you know, that this this guy's a great wrestling mind. This is a good businessman. Where's the track record, though? I mean, and and believe me, I'm not any kind of expert in Masayuki Uchida, but it's not like all Japan was on fire when this guy, you know, was running things. It's not like you know, uh, you know, um, he, he's been he's been tied to Muto in the past, and we all know Muto is a terrible businessman. Nothing Muto ever does ever is successful to any uh, legitimate degree or anything like that. Um, and 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 even I mean, you know, what has Yuchita been involved with? He was he was um, he had a hand in all Japan. In between two eras, uh, somewhere around 2011, they weren't exactly on fire during that time. And then uh, he also worked with Wrestle One for a brief period of time. And Wrestle One has never been uh, what anybody would call uh, successful to any, to any large degree. So I'm not sure why the people who are super confident in this Uchida guy are super confident in him. I, I, don't, I don't see the track record or the evidence that this is some miracle worker.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting case because yeah, like you're saying, when he we've seen this. It's not like a guy who's coming out of nowhere. It's not a guy that we're like, ooh, I don't know, this is kind of interesting this is fun. It's a guy that has had some background in in wrestling. You know, of course, being president of Pro Wrestling uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling for uh, a few uh, a little while, and and really just didn't do much there. You know, he was the president. I think before the big uproar happened in like 2012, right? Isn't that he was
1: before the nutcase? I don't remember that guy's name.
0: Is that, Is that Shira Shashi or something like that? It was that guy. Nobu, something like that. Some, I forgot his name exactly. The, yeah, he was a nutcase. The dude who and was booking caused...
1: robots and... and
0: just... Yeah, he was he was absolutely crazy. So, like, he was before that. So we can't blame all that on him. But uh, it wasn't like All Japan was like a, a glistening, like, you know, juggernaut when he was under all control. Japan, I mean, let's
1: be honest. All Japan's been a dumpster fire for a very long time. Right. So his, his you know, when this guy was in charge... You know, what kind of mark was all Japan making? What did he do that was so great for all Japan? I'm still waiting for somebody to explain that to me. I'm open minded to it, but I, you know, but I I just don't see it. And you know, it's not like Wrestle One. Now, look, he wasn't running Wrestle One, but uh, supposedly he uh, well he had some sort of time. He was
0: consultant, is what the term that they used.
1: Uh, well, I mean, you know, what was he <laughs> But it wasn't
0: long, do? which means we still had to pay you, and then we just gave you a fake role, and then when you're contract or whatever was up, or we paid you out, then you were gone. That's the other so. thing.
1: And I also hear, you know, where he had ties to Muto, I also heard from different places that he doesn't get along with Muto either. So um, who knows what's going on there? I think the most interesting thing is Marafuji supposedly set up a secret meeting with this dude to get all this rolling, and Marafuji is no longer listed among the, um, uh, what would you call it, the, uh, among the office staff of people who are in charge of the company. I mean, his name is just absent from that now. Um, some have speculated that this is Marafuji's way of getting out of Noah. now that he's not in an office capacity. Um, he actually m- made comment yesterday, which, which runs contrary to that. I mean, here's a direct quote right here. It says, a lot of rumors are flying around, but this is the first step to advancing and growing the legacy my seniors built. End quote. Now, I mean, that's not exactly – a firm vote of confidence that he's all in on team no.
0: Nope. Right. I'm not saying I am going <laughs> to continue the advance in the legacy. It's it's you know but this is the first step. So it, it, it's interesting. It's definitely um, – I, and I think the problem that you mentioned is we don't necessarily know all the – we know that I, – I think it's safe to say that Bushirode in, in some way, shape, or form did know what was going on here. I, I don't believe that it, they were blindsided by it, whether that's kind of the public face that they want to put up or if that's what – I just – I can't believe that because there's just no way that that would happen the keep, way it did. Keep this and in I, mind, it, too.
1: Kadani never talks about Noah. Ever. Correct. Never brings him up, never mentions him, never talks about – Bushy Rhodes' involvement with the company uh, from a, from a behind the scenes um, perspective. Never. He just never brings it up. So, it, it, this could just be him continuing look, we're minority stakeholders. We don't need to be transparent about any of this. We just have money in the pot. So, maybe this, you know, him claiming that he was surprised to hear about that. Again, I don't buy it. it, it I, I don't. I just, business doesn't work that way. I find it very hard to believe, especially if they can't buy new – they can't buy Bushiroad out without him being – privy to what was going on right i mean that's right the- no
0: i mean the, yeah that that sounds impossible that that would not be uh, the case because especially when uh and this is what gets kind of prickly here is that there are a lot of guys that that people speculate that are on bushi roads payroll that are guys are that noah guy like a go Shiozaki is one that everybody kind of brings up as like the reason he's probably in noah right now is because you know new japan Pro wrestling bushi road had to pay for his contract or paid for him to get in there and there's speculation about a few other guys as well so you have to imagine that those guys that's kind of a weird thing now do you buy those out did those get Bought out, like I again, like there's no way. I think that the, the general point that we're trying to make is there's no way that Kadani or Bushiroad or New Japan were, were unaware of this. I think uh, Chris Charlton who's actually in uh, uh, Japan right now. He does a great podcast by the way, uh, Japanese audio wrestling on the uh, the live audio wrestling network and the fight network and all that sort of stuff. He was talking about the fact that everybody said, oh, it was done in three weeks. It was done in three weeks. And he brought up that's bullshit. Nothing here gets done in three weeks. He said, uh, you know, every little thing, every little business transaction here takes forever. So he doesn't buy that it was three weeks. He buys that maybe that was the public phase. You know, maybe they said in early October, Mirafuji did it. Th- this could all be PR or whatever, but he does not buy that in three weeks. They just said, all right, let's get this under control. Let's do it. All right, cool. Let's go. That there had to be more time involved in getting this together. And it wasn't a blindsided move. It wasn't Mirafuji going behind anyone's back. It, was, it had to be something more than that.
1: Yeah. And as far as the point you made uh, a few minutes ago in terms of the talent, I mean, we know that, look, all the Suzuki gun guys, they are not, as we've suspected all along and as we really we've known all along, they're just they're they're not Noah wrestlers and they are not being paid by Noah. I mean, we 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 talked to a wrestler this week after this broke to see if he knew what was going on as he was on his way to Japan, as a matter of fact. And I thought his phrasing was interesting when he said i hope this is good for the noah guys you know what i mean it wasn't it's, us it wasn't us yeah it was no, the noah yeah guys. for the noah guys uh, was his the exact way that he phrased it which i thought was interesting because that's just someone not thinking and just you know um, just just typing out their thoughts and um uh, you know and, and you know shiosaki i mean people assume that bushiro cut that deal i don't even i don't know if that's a fact um Yoshinobu Kanemaru, I mean he's in Suzuki-gun now, so it's reasonable to assume that that was another guy who they brought in and 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 maybe that is paying him and not Noah. Look, my my thing all along is to me when you look at this and just looking this through the eyes of my business experience and having nothing to do with, you know, the pro wrestling business, to me it just seems like it, it's very obvious what's what's been going on with Noah. To me it screams of a company that was bleeding red. Losing money hand over fist, and we knew that they were for many years. And they bring in Bushi Road as a minority stakeholder to get some cash flow going, okay, an infusion of cash uh, in exchange for giving Bushi Road certain powers. Obviously, they're booking the company, obviously, there's a lot of cross promotion with talent. So, from Bushi Road's perspective, what did they get for investing in Noah? Well, they get all these cross-promotional opportunities. They get pseudo-control of a second company. Um, they've obviously used guys like Naomichi Marafuji and Goshi Ozaki and, and Katsuhiko Nakajima and now ACH, and they're taking advantage of these guys um, and drawing money with these people, which they wouldn't have been able to do previously. So that's what they get out of the deal for investing money, infusing that money into NOAA. What Noah gets out of it is a cash flow infusion, and to me – what we've seen is a systematic—we've uh, seen downsizing. And to me, you know, look, the expensive Gaijins are no longer being brought in. They stop using Zack Saber Jr. They stop using Chris Hero. They stop using Colt Cabana. Uh, they stop using expensive outsiders, even from within Japan. You look at some of their shows as recently as last year. There's no more Masato Tanaka's. There's no more uh, Daisuke Sekamotos, There's no more Yuji Okabayashi's. It's all the tiny Noah core roster supplemented by New Japan wrestlers, supplemented by Suzuki gun supplemented by Toru Yano. Uh, that's the other thing that Bushiro gets out of this When They don't have anything for some of their guys. They can just ship them off to NOAA to keep them busy, to keep them working, to keep them getting paid. Uh, so you can see why it was a beneficial arrangement for both sides. I think the downsizing in NOAA that we've seen, the slow but sure downsizing was proactive rich i don't think it was reactive i think a lot of people think the downsizing was reactive oh attendance is going into shitters so they're they're cutting down i don't see it that way i see this as a company that knew they were in distress brought in a minority investor to get some cash flow going and systematically downsized the company to potentially prepare them for this sale for yeah sale. exactly uh, that to me, that's just me with my business cap on. Um, it, that's how I see it. I don't see it at you know because they have been they've been, uh, they've been a, a non-profitable company for many years, going going back uh, way before this era. So that's how I see it. And it looks like they've just downsized, knowing that they were gonna you know drop in attendance, they were gonna tour less, they were gonna use less outsiders. Because when you really look at it, the payroll is is got to be minuscule. I mean, there's only about, is there even a dozen native NOAA wrestlers? And it, that's about the number. And, and, you know, to Ke- and, you know, Morishima retired. So that was one of their bigger salaries off the books. Mm-hmm. And Kenta's well. no,
0: Kent not walking through that door. You know,
1: gone. <laughs> Kenta left, Morishima retired. They stopped using the gaijins, they stopped using expensive outsiders. Okay. Uh, you know, this is Naomichi Marufuji, Katsuhika Nakajima, and a bunch of guys. A bunch of veterans that they're loyal to, like your Yonez, even your Akatoshi Saito. He's not a contracted guy. They released him years ago. He's he comes in on a per show basis. Uh, so you've got your Muhammad Yonez, and then you've got your, uh, your 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 juniors. You've got those guys that are under deals. Uh, you've got your Quiet Storms. I mean, these are not, you know, uh, this is I, the, the payroll's minuscule to me. This downsizing was intentional, probably to set up this sale. So when you piece all of that together, what I'm getting to here with this long-winded point is this is why I don't buy that Bushy Road was in the dark. This is why I don't buy that Bushy Road's completely out of the picture. Because I think Bushy Road may have facilitated all this.
0: That is kind of the theory that I'm kind of going with as well. And now I have a wild theory that, that there could be more, you know, at hand with Bushiro and why they wanted to do this and other things. I'll kind of lay it on you. I, and again, I don't know how realistic this is because I don't know all the contracts and I don't know everything that's going here. But I do agree that Bushiro had something to do with this. I feel that there was obviously clear communication between them, whether it was Fuji involved with them or if it was them, just them on their own. Either way, they were involved in this. There's no way they weren't. My wonder, what I kind of wonder is, is there a possibility that, Somewhere around this summer, when we started seeing a lot more NOAA-New Japan integration, they started bringing them guys in. We saw them come in for, for G1, and Fuji and, and, and Nakanyu killed it in G1, and we saw Shiozaki come in there, and he was getting over, and, and they saw this Noah new Japan stuff really working, and said, you know... Why don't we, you know, is there a possibility that we can bring some of these guys in? That we can, if we're paying for these guys, a Go Shiozaki, which we're potentially paying for, a, a Mirafuji, who now has no obligation to Noah, as, as far as we know, and uh, Nakajima, who's kind of always been a weird sort of freelance guy. It's always kind of hard to figure out where he is exactly. Uh, you know, is there a possibility that we can bring okay. these guys in and have very, them become... Very
1: quickly, I'm going to you finish your point, but that's an interesting yeah. one, too, because Nakajima, remember, was not under Noah contract and, and signed his Noah contract,
0: Oh that's right. He did do that but, a little bit ago, but, yeah. But
1: here's the thing. He did so after Bushiro got involved.
0: Right. That was so, like a few months ago that he signed it, So it's a very good idea. If you, well, it, you want to very... make
1: him part of your conspiracy theory, then then I think you had there's your angle.
0: Yeah, it's a possibility that he is in that as well. So yeah, it's a super interesting thing with with all those guys. So I'm almost wondering in this, and again, like I said, this is a conspiracy theory. I have no idea. This is not fact. Please do not put this on Reddit. I have no idea. It's just kind of in my mind I was sort of thinking as I was kind of piecing this together is that maybe something they got in their head and they said, you know what, why are we funding Noah? Why are we doing all this with Noah? Let's just grab these guys. Let's take back our Suzuki gun guys. And you know what? Yeah. The company's lean. And if somebody wants to buy it, they can have it. It's not going to cost them that much. It's, you know, the debt, maybe we, maybe they reduce the debt. Like you're saying, maybe that was a thing where over the past year, they said, all right, let's just really reduce this debt. Let's, let's get it lean. Let's get it. So it's sellable. And then we'll take the assets that we want out of it. And then we'll get out of this and we'll say, okay, we did our thing. We got what we wanted out of Noah. We helped them out for a little while. and, And now we're done. Like we're, we're moving on. I don't think that that's that, that crazy. I think the idea that, that you don't see Marufuji in any of those listings as far as office staff, which, again, we don't know every guy that's in the office, but the fact that that was a central figure and he's no longer there, that's kind of interesting. The fact that Shiozaki, it, it's kind of rumored that he was New Japan um, paid for, and the fact that Nakajima signed his contract a few months ago, as you'd said, and is kind of New Japan paid for. And you got all those Suzuki-gun guys that are sitting there doing really nothing. Minoru Suzuki's kind of there. you got a bunch of guys that are just kind of sitting there doing nothing, and Noah... There's a possibility that, that New Japan went and said, okay, look, Mirafuji drew. You know, Nakajima's over. Goshi Ozaki's over. Why don't we just grab these guys? Why don't we just – we're paying for them. Why don't we get the most out of them? Why don't we get the most out of these assets when we're not doing that right now in NOAA, when they're just floundering in NOAA, which we've seen. And, and we saw again with, with – anytime they brought New Japan guys over in NOAA, they did a little bit better. The attendance was up a little bit. They're probably wondering, Why, what are we doing here? Why are we investing this? Why are we wasting this money? There's a possibility. They said, yeah, here, we'll take those guys. We'll take our assets back. And we'll sell the thing because it's lean now. We've gotten the debt down. We've gotten this sort of thing. It, it, kind of combining your theory with my theory into something that, that's a much smarter, much bigger thing that could be huge for New Japan if my conspiracy theory is true, which I have no idea. You know what I mean? I, I, it, it... I do think Mirafuji, though. I, I, I'm, he's like the one that I'm very curious. curious on because he's not listed anywhere right now. You know, that's one I'm. I, I don't know, but yeah, right. What do you what think was of my he
1: previously there? the vice president or something like that?
0: Something like that. Yeah, I forgot exactly what his title was, but he was a higher up. Like he would have been listed in one of the five or so you know job titles that they put out there, and he wasn't one of them. So that's interesting to me.
1: It is, and and that's an angle some other people have taken as well. You could even see it in his work. I mean, he's motivated when he's in New Japan, and he just doesn't give a shit when he's in NOAA. Um, we've talked about that a million times when we, when we break down shows. Um, look, I look. I, Again, this is all speculation because we don't have any more new information. I'm I'm kind I'm I'm, I'm sort of with you because I do believe they came to Bushy Road for help and you know, it, when you're in a situation like that it, who has all the power? The people coming in to to help. Um I I think that uh this is just basic business when when a when a business is floundering and falling apart and Look, no one was going to – it would be a lot easier to sell off your assets, to sell off Noah, to sell off the name, to sell off the titles, to sell off the history, to sell off the lineage, to sell off the contracts once you've downsized it. And you can unload it for, an, for a reasonable price and at least get something back on your losses. That's just basic business. We've seen that. Yeah. That's smarter than just shutting the thing down and taking 100% loss. It's like, all right, let's take a year and a half, downsize this thing, but we don't know what we're doing. We're lost. Let's bring in Bushi Road. They know what they're doing. They can help us downsize this thing, they can help us mitigate our losses, and they can help us sell the thing off. But Bushi Road's going to want something in exchange.
0: Sure, exactly. They're not going to want to just get out of here and go, Okay. thanks. That was fun. I hope you guys are doing better. Okay. bye. (laughs)
1: Right. So, you know, that was going to come in the form of, all right, well, you know, we're going to want to book some of your guys. We're going to we're going to want to control your roster to some extent. Um, If you want us to come in here and help you do this and and, and, you know, figure out a a, a strategy to sell this thing, uh, then you're going to have to do things our way. And and, uh, that would make sense. I, it would make a lot of this make sense why they allowed Bushiroad to come in and 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 basically take over the creative end of things and why they continue to allow Bushiroad to con- to control the creative end of things when it appeared from the outside that it was just an utter and complete disaster with business just going in the tank but that could have been part of their plan part of their 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 their, their whole uh, grander scheme was to just downsize everything, knowing that they were going to take a loss in, in 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 attendance. Look, it's entirely possible that Noah is losing far less money now with less people coming to the shows than they were before Bushiroad came. Oh,
0: life. certainly, that's something we talked about a, f- uh, a few weeks ago. And I, I think we, I, we talked I, about. And yeah, I really yeah. don't
1: think people understand that. You know, I you know it it, it, it it's, it's entirely possible, and I think entirely plausible. That they're do that they're bleeding far less red and maybe even because the th- th- what are the, co- the it's the payrolls? Minus- that roster is nothing.
0: That roster is absolutely, not- You really have to look at a card and really because I think the best exercise to do is if you have this idea like I had. So I, I was kind of going through this roster. I'm going okay. Let's say tomorrow New Japan was just like, well, screw it. We're taking all of our Suki Gun guys back. We're and they're not going to do this. They're going to play this out and let it go through. And that's kind of what the wrestler told us as well. He's like, well, I don't I don't expect that. Like tomorrow they're going to be like, all right, screw it. We're all gone. or you know he doesn't expect that. He expects them to kind of let it play out a little bit. Maybe see how the rest of the year goes and then you know transition then. But look, if you look, take you, out-
1: a, has a wrestling background. He's not, these guys weren't going to show up, and he wasn't just going to send everybody home.
0: <laughs> right, he's not an idiot. The, the booking
1: is going to play out at least for the next several months, and, and, and like we said, I, I don't buy for one second that New Japan was blindsided by this, and they clearly have plans for some of these NOAA guys moving forward, at least through the dome. I expect all of that to play out exactly as it was going to play out. I yeah, don't think anything exactly. changes on that front, but go ahead.
0: But if you look at that roster, and you so you take out the Suzuki Gun guys, and then you take out even if you want, as an exercise, the few guys that we mentioned, a go Shiozaki, take him out, and take out Amara Fuji. That roster's nothing.
1: That's what I mean.
0: That roster's, not- it's juniors. It, it's Katoge, Harada, Yuhara, you know, Kitomiya, Nakajima, and even Nakajima's an interesting one. If you want to take him out, then it's really like, oh, God, like, then it's Kitomiya, Tanaguchi, Muhammad Yone. like Quiet th- Storm. We're talk- yeah, I mean, Segura is probably your highest paid guy out of that. Then, if you take all those, if you take Shiozaki and, and those guys, I mean, like that's nothing. That's a junior roster with Segura and, and the, Yone the, and Tanabe and then the
1: young boy Kumano, Kiyomi. Right, right. That, that's right. the whole. We just named the entire roster.
0: That's, that's it. It's like uh, that, we don't have to do anymore. I, mean, that I said is, a so dozen that's...
1: before. There's like ten guys on the Cornola mm-hmm. roster. Again, downsizing. It was it was clear to me all along that the, 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 there was some downsizing taking place. At some point, it just clicked to me. I'm like, look, they're obviously downsizing. And again, I think it was proactive and not reactive. I think it, it, if you look at it, it, it seems systematic to me. Um, you know, but, but yeah, so you're right. I mean, uh, if, if those guys do let's, – let's give them – let's leave Nakajima there. Even if, but if okay. they lose your Marafujis and your Goshiozakis and your entire Suzuki gun and Toru Yano goes back and all of those things, <laughs> you're, you're really not even left with a promotion. What do they do from there?
0: Yeah, so, like, if we look at the Great Voyage in Yokohama show, the show from just last week, and we, we look at who would be left in this hypothetical situation where you lose Shiozaki, you lose Mirafuji, you lose the Suzuki Gun guys, and you don't really count the Freelancers as much. Yano, you lose I mean, I, oh, Yano, of course. Yeah, so you, your rushers. I mean, it's Yone, here's, okay, so this is the opener. You have Yone, Quiet Storm, Ogawa, Tanaguchi, and Tomoyose, so. That's five. Okay. That's five. Good, not bad, but then it gets, it gets kind of lean after that because uh, those are all your crappy opener guys and, you know, young boys. So you got Harada and Kumano. You have Kitamiya. You have, uh, let's see, oh, Kiyomiya. Mm-hmm. You have Ohara and Kano. Katoge. <laughs> Uh-oh. And then are we keeping Nakajima?
1: We'll give him Nakajima.
0: Then you can have Nakajima and Segura, too.
1: So have a 13-man roster.
0: That's not great. Yeah, that's... I had to skip over Shibata, Goshiozaki, Toru Yano, Togi Makabe, uh, Tomiyaki Hanma, Gato, Jado, Minoru Suzuki, Azuka, El Desperado, and Taichi. We're all guys. And Kanemura. yeah, We're all guys. is a weird one, too. I guess you want to add him?
1: Well, Kanamoro, I mean, he's... He's weird. I mean, he's probably... He, got, know, signed, he him. got signed while Bushirod was involved, and he was put in Suzuki-gun.
0: Yeah, so there's...
1: you can There's a chance that they're paying him, too. That he's under a Bushiro contract. There's a chance. There's a chance he's under a Bushiro contract. Same for Shiozaki. Um, there's a chance Marafuji's slithering away out the back door. And there's even the outside remote chance that Nakajima is being paid for by Bushiro since he signed his deal when they came into the fold. So that's that's some scary stuff. That's why I say... I have a feeling Bushi Road is was involved in all of this, had a hand in it, and will continue to be involved in in some capacity moving forward. But again, that's just my gut. That's we don't have. I, I'm I I I can't wait to see some more hard information on all this.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and it, it's it's super hard to get. But I think there are plenty of guys that will um, that are good at translating stuff and and can probably give us some some info. So hopefully we'll be looking out for it. So. Joe, what do you want to work on next? We got a bunch of different topics here. I, I, you want to do Hell in a Cell? Yeah. Or do you want to do Two Hundred Five Live?
1: We can do Hell in a <laughs> Cell. Worst,
0: worst name for a show let's, ever, but we'll, we'll get to that. Here
1: let's so. review Hell in a Cell and then transition into um, the or we can work it in as this is a tremendous production meeting we're having right now. We could work it into the Kendrick, the Kendrick <laughs> Perkins conversation.
0: Let's do that. That's good. That's nice and concise. We, we will indeed do that. So let's start with uh, Hell in a Cell here. Uh, of course, happened last Sunday. We have a review on voicewrestling.com. I know you were doing a review for Funding Spirit Magazine as well. Um, overall thoughts before we kind of break down match by match, what did you think of this Hell in a Cell? Because I thought it was kind of terrible. <laughs>
1: I thought the show was garbage. I thought that um, in a year of very strong WWE pay-per-views, this was one of, very the, strong. This was one of the worst. Uh, there wasn't much about this show that I liked at all. I think that um, we bang on him a lot, but I think Vince McMahon's instincts were right. The women should not have main evented. I thought they blew their opportunity to have the women main event the right way, meaning build it up as the clear cut number one match on a show as the clear cut, most important thing where there was no debate. That wasn't the case with this show. And, they really, it just and look, the people who wanted this, you all got what you wanted. The women main evented, and what did it mean the next day? Right, it meant nothing.
0: And you can't bottle that back and up. You can't, I'm always big on that. That's right. I'm always big on that. That is it now. That's that was the one moment where the women definitively were the quote unquote main event of the show or whatever. And you know, it didn't. And did and meant nothing. is it going to mean anything? Yeah, nothing.
1: No it, ripple effects the next day. Didn't feel like it was important. Did it feel like it was some important seminal moment to you? It did not to me.
0: I mean, at the time it felt important, but I don't know. Seminal, no, it it didn't. And I don't think in two months people are going to remember it as that big of a moment.
1: No, And, and, you know, they really should have just um, relaxed and either planned out a women's pay-per-view main event far in advance and then built to it and then really made it mean something. Or... If one fell into their laps and truly became the hottest thing on a show, then you run with it. This was a decision made, what, six hours before the show or whatever it was, eight hours? I mean,
0: we, we were we were a day out, and it was still kind of under... I mean, I, I think it might have been maybe the Thursday or Friday. I, I don't remember when it was exactly, but it, it certainly wasn't something that was... It when, when they went off on the air on Raw, they, it was not the main event right. at
1: that point. Right. So you're talking about, and I think it was... It was either the day before or earlier that day when the final decision came down, when the news broke. Was-
0: you know what? You're was- right because I, I did that Twitter poll on Sunday morning, yeah. and then like an hour later, it, it was announced. So you're right. It was that day. Up, it was so- a few
1: hours before. I mean, you just – you totally blew. And, and you're right. You can never – like you always say, you can't get that back now. It's gone. The first one is over, and it's done, and it meant nothing. In hindsight, a few days later, it meant nothing. No one is talking about this huge, seminal, groundbreaking, historic moment of a women's match headlining a WWE pay-per-view. They weren't even talking about that the next day. It doesn't help that the match was, you know, not any kind of blow-away great match either. Um, but it, but that wouldn't have mattered. None of that would have mattered if if it was built up properly and if it was organically a true first-time women's main event that meant this didn't mean anything. I really thought they blew it. They should have listened to Vince on this one.
0: And look, yeah, especially being in a Hell in a Cell too, because that that was another important thing too. That it was like, you know, that's something they always kind of have kid gloves with women. They don't, you know, they wouldn't put them in this brutal situation. They wouldn't put them in a, a gimmick match like this. So it was, it was, it could have potentially broke two barriers had it been built up properly and had it been something that really felt again like it felt super important. It, it, this never did. This was like, why is it in the Hell in a Cell and why is it the main? There was never any purpose other than we're gonna do it and 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 you know that, that's which sucks because that's those are two things that you really could have made special and they could have been separate or they could have been even if these it, it was organically said that it was a hell in a cell and that was the only way to solve to settle this long-term great feud was was in this hell in a cell and the only way to sell it is in the main event it has to be the most important thing and this wasn't that and it could have been and it was a whole horribly missed opportunity horribly missed
1: the women's match in brooklyn is a more historic match than this one was and it wasn't even mm-hmm. and it wasn't even the main event when you when, when but guess what
0: I'd put that right. first NXT takeover women's show now, uh, I would that, I'd put that match over I would that put too.
1: several NXT women's matches ahead of this one historically mm-hmm. in terms of importance and the one in Brooklyn wasn't even the main event but no one remembers it wasn't the main event because it was- which being
0: which is a point that we were arguing with people all exactly. last week about it, all on Twitter is that it oh well if that's the main event the main event oh this is the final match the final okay. Brooklyn, what is the first memory you have? If I say NXT Takeover Brooklyn, I, I would say almost seventy-five percent of people are going to think of Bailey and Sasha Banks, I, and rightfully I think it's so because than that was that. The most
1: important. That was Yeah, th- probably. It's like this idea of going on last. It's just it's it's window dressing. <laughs> it's window dressing. Okay, this was a card without a clear-cut main event. It just was. So I I wouldn't have wasted the the, the first win- look. If there had been. Three women's main events on pay-per-views already previous to this. I wouldn't have minded that the women main evented this one because there was no clear-cut main event here. You could have made a case that's, that Charlotte and Sasha was the biggest match on this show. But I didn't want the first – the first one shouldn't have been a situation where you could make a case. It's the, it should have been the clear-cut biggest match on the show without question. And it wasn't. And it didn't feel special at all. And they fucking blew it. They blew it. They blew it here, so we might as well start with that match, right?
0: Yeah, I was gonna say let's let's talk about the match here. Um, what did you think of it? Because I I I enjoyed it to an extent. I think I gave it four stars, because because I, I did enjoy the, the brutality of it. It, it was it, there was parts of it that I really enjoyed, but overall, I was really hoping that it was going to be something special, and I was really hoping when it was all said and done, people would go, "Oh my god, that was great!" That what what like you said, a seminal match, an, an incredible match, an awesome match, and it just it wasn't that. It was good. But it just did not, it, it really could have been something a little bit more special. And I kind of feel, you know, when I was done with the, the, the rating and I, I put the four stars and then I woke up the next day, I said, you know, I don't think that match was. Like, if I really watched it again, I just don't think I would do that rating. But it, it's, you know, I, I did it and whatever. I'm not going to go back and change. I'm not going to do that sort of stuff. But I just really, I, I don't know. There was part of it that I enjoyed. the The sloppiness to me kind of worked. Like, it kind of always does work with these two. But I thought there was just too much. At the beginning, I hated the tropey beginning with the, the the goddamn fucking stretcher job. It was like, oh my god, what are we doing here? And that, like that kind of annoyed me. But I thought they got it together, and and the last part of the match was was pretty solid. But the finish and the beginning really hurt it for me. The meat I thought was very good, but the finish and the beginning were, were were pretty terrible, and that that did hurt my rating a little bit. And and I do kind of regret my four star rating for it. But what do you think?
1: So you got wrapped up in it a little bit. In the moment, because
0: I think in watching it in the moment, I think watching it live with other people, I was kind of like, okay, that's cool, and and like I really, really did. I can't, I can't put the middle over enough. I really did enjoy the middle. I thought the the brutality of it was pretty special, and they did a very good job. Um, there was a couple really cool spots, like you know Sasha getting out of the the. Um, you know, the figure four with the chair or whatever, which I thought was really cool. And then just a few different things that they set up, but that just didn't always, you know, work 100% properly. But at least it, it kind of works in the context of these two being kind of clumsy and being kind of silly, which I heard some people say, you know, oh, you can't. But for whatever reason, these two, when they're sloppy, it doesn't affect me quite as much as when it does other people. Because it, it feels like they should be, because sl- they just always are that sloppy. So that doesn't hurt me all that much. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. The, the beginning and the end just really hurt it for me. But I did enjoy the middle quite a lot.
1: Yeah, I didn't like the match as much as you. I didn't think it was a bad match. I thought it was a good match. I think it was much of the same that you get from these two when they face each other on the main roster. It's like you said, it has that gritty, sloppy, it's about to fall apart quality to it, which in an odd way helps them. We've (laughs) talked about it a million times. Uh, Neither one of them are smooth, uh, graceful workers. They're both a little rough around the edges in there and when they come together and and they're and they're both so driven especially Sasha to have these great matches and i think both of them are far too ambitious in the things that they want to try sometimes when you add all of those ingredients together it it feels like a gritty sloppy bordering on dangerous match and and and, and it's not intentional but that that's where that's where they get to but it isn't on purpose but i still like that about their matches but this one had some things there. I mean, look, and the finish was very flat. Um,
0: the finish sucked. I mean, I, I don't know what they were going for, and I don't know if it achieved what they were tell going you, for. It, I think Sasha they watched... was
1: supposed to go through that table. She
0: was, going through, she was supposed to go through that because table. Because they yeah, tried absolutely. it twice.
1: Right. So, but the thing is, Sasha weighs 90 pounds. So unless you gimmick the table, I mean, we've seen 260 pound men fail to break a table. So it's, it's unless you gimmick the table, she's not going to. So they tried it twice. She was you're supposed to go through it that would have helped the the finish for sure if she had gone through because it would have set up the finish better. And you're right, the beginning with the stretcher, look, we've talked about that a million times too. That is one of my least favorite things in wrestling. This thing where the baby face gets off the stretcher, look, we all know you're getting... It happen- It also it.
0: happens four times a year. It, like it, you can't do it anymore. Like, nobody buys it. Nobody in the world buys it. We'll talk about another finish again that happened earlier in the show where nobody bought it. And it's like, I, I don't know what they think when they do these things so often. It's like, it's like the freaking spirit through the barricade. It's like, all right, it happens every other month. Like, it's not, it, it's not special. And, and then you have important. these, and the anything. announcers
1: sound like absolute goofballs. I can't believe Sasha's getting off the stretch. But this is what always happens. So you sound like goofs. <laughs> then your announcers lose credibility. There isn't a single person in that building over the age of five who didn't think she was getting off that stretcher. No one in their right mind thought the pay-per-view was ending that way. It's a pointless spot. It's stupid. It takes away from the match, but there's this thing in WWE where the, Babyface always has to have these huge odds stacked against them. She had to be injured before the match to have those odds stacked. They have to either overcome these incredible odds or those odds have to be what overwhelms them. It can never just be one person is better, like the heel can never just be better than the face. And it's so antiquated in thinking. Uh, and, and I hate it. That, that's why this company just sometimes just I, I just I watch with you know it, it's not for me I don't like that sort of storytelling it's basic it's simplistic and it's boring and this was another example of that uh the rest of the match look they they worked so hard and they tried some ambitious things some of it worked some of it didn't for the most part it did I think I went three and three quarters I liked the match uh but but the thing about it is um it fell apart at the end the beginning was terrible and here's the other thing, Rich. Even though this was supposedly Sasha's quote-unquote hometown, which you'd never know because th- those fans didn't give a shit about Sasha Banks, okay?
0: Not any more than they would in, not any, in any, any other, other town. Yeah, That's what I mean. There wasn't a hometown no. thing there. No, not this at all. This was
1: not CM Punk in Chicago, okay? And I'm getting real tired of people online. You know, the big thing on social media, oh, my God, they couldn't give Sasha the win in her hometown. Guys, nobody cared. This this was.
0: She also doesn't. She's also not synonymous with the city of Boston. You know what I mean? It's not like she comes out in an Ortiz jersey every single week, and it's like that's Boston's very own Sasha Banks. She loves Boston. Like that's a big difference between a, a CM Punk, who made it very obvious that he was from Chicago every time. You know what I mean? Like that, those guys that are synonymous with their hometown—that's a whole different animal than like just being from that town. It, you know, it's not enough to be from a town and that's it. This, like you've got, this, to, this, you've got to be synonymous with this it, match
1: yeah. would have been no different in Minneapolis, Minnesota; Los Angeles, California; New York; uh, Miami, Florida. You name a town. There, she had no hometown reaction You She got a little Sasha, a tiny Sasha Banks chant in the beginning, but like you said, like any other town would have reacted to her is how this town reacted to her. And the and the and the, during the meat of the match, Rich. You know, when she, you know, when she was getting beaten down, the the crowd was dead. The crowd was dead. This crowd didn't rally around Sasha Banks. This was not kind of, this was not a special atmosphere for Sasha Banks or any of that. This wasn't a situation where the hometown crowd was red hot for the babyface, and then the heel wins at the end and it just deflates the crowd. This wasn't the case. The finish was flat. The meat of the match was flat. She didn't get much of a reaction beyond, you know, after her introduction. She didn't get any kind of huge pop when she got off the stretcher. It, 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 I'm, I'm tired of hearing that. I'm tired of hearing. In this situation, okay, uh, this was not a situation where they burned a the hometown crowd. I, this was She was no different than any other babyface on the show. And the other thing is I didn't have a problem with the finish anyway. And I don't know where you stand with this. I had no problem with the finish because I think Charlotte's the best person on that brand and in the division to carry the division. I think she's a better choice than Sasha Banks. I think Charlotte's the best female on that side of the roster, on the Ross side of the roster. I think she's the best heel on the roster. Because here's the thing about Charlotte. She's not a cool heel. There's nothing likable about her. She's a fucking asshole. You don't want to root for Charlotte. She's one of the only effective heels on the entire roster. To me, she's the best heel on the roster. Uh, So to me, she should have won the match. She should be the one. And there's more babyface challengers on the raw side. You know, obviously Bailey would be the next one in line. So I, you know, I have no problem with the finish. I have no problem with, with Sasha taping, taking a step back. And the other thing that drives me nuts is this thing where, oh, well, Sasha deserves a turn. Sasha deserves a run. No one deserves anything. Okay? Especially with these title runs. This is attitude era and forward bullshit that we're dealing with now. Where where fans have been conditioned to think that people deserve title runs or everyone needs to have a turn with the title. Why? Why? Why does someone have to have a turn with a title? You do what's best for business. Right now I believe Charlotte is the best champion for business. So I, I had no problem with the finish whatsoever, and I don't think people deserve turns at holding titles. That's nonsense that's been conditioned. Every fan under 25 now, they've just been conditioned to think that, and it was never like that for decades, and there's no reason it has to be like that now. So I, I don't know. I think you have a different take on this. I think you thought Sasha should have won, correct?
0: No, I don't. I, what I don't understand is I, – and I don't – I'm fine with you. I, I, I'm 100% on board with you saying that Charlotte is the, the probably the better champion right now, but then why – 20 days ago did you give Sasha the title? I agree. Why is she had two 27-day runs and has never defended the title successfully ever? I agree. She's a two-time champion. Now, the next time she wins, it'll be a three-time champion. Hey, look. Without you, ever successfully you, you defending
1: You were the first it. one to say they blew it by having her win it on Raw. And exactly. I, 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 I,
0: she, if true. In my world, she would have not won it yet. She would be still building that up. I agree. I, Charlotte would be the champion for 300, 400 days. I would, she would be so far and ahead, the the one that's like, man, everybody wants to beat her, but nobody can. That's how I would book Charlotte. Yeah. Now Charlotte's a three-time champion. Sasha's a two-time champion. And for what purpose? They just traded it back and forth every time. And every time they did it, Sasha never defended. Not once did she defend that title successfully. So that's my only argument is, okay, I have no problem with if the end game was let's have Charlotte be the, the, the commanding heel, the commanding woman on, the, on that brand or whatever. But why the hell did she lose two times in between there? Yeah. Why did she lose in July and then why did she lose in October if the end game was the next time she got a chance she was going to win again? That to me makes no sense. I agree
1: with you and and Charlotte is very similar to Roman Reigns in my opinion. Roman Reigns is a three-time champion. Did any of them mean anything?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Don't do that. that that's, and, and again, that's sort of, in a way, that's kind of an attitude or thing that people were bringing up is, well, that's how, how do you get the rematch? Well, you can have rematches without changing the title every time because, again, it, it hurts what you're, yeah, again, yeah, like you said, Roman Reigns a three time champion, Charlotte now a three time champion. That it's, uh, and, and it, it's just, it, that angers me a little bit in that sense. So I would not have done that. I would have made it. And, and that's just a three-time Raw Women's Champion. I, I don't even know what the other title, how many times she is or whatever. But that's just this title. She's had it three times. Lost it twice to Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks never with a successful defense. And it always just went back to Charlotte anyway, which, again, was fine. I would just negate both of Charlotte Banks' reigns because none of them did anything. People made a big deal about when she finally won it, and then she just lost it 20 days yeah, later. Yeah, You were ahead
1: of that. You crapped on that when she won it.
0: Because it, it was stupid, yeah. Because it didn't, you didn't bottle it up, and everybody in the world knew that it wasn't a long-term thing. That it wasn't now. Okay, this is now Sasha Banks's division. Everybody in the world knew that that was only going to be la- only last for a little bit longer, and it did. And then when she won again, you know, at the beginning of the month, then it was like, okay, well, maybe maybe this is a thing now. Maybe they are going to go with Sasha Banks, only to have it go back to Charlotte, which again I believe is the right move. But then why even do that? Why even waste the time doing that? Make this a thing where Sasha. You know, wants a title shot, thinks she deserves a title shot, gets a title shot, and then she loses in a Hell in a Cell. Because I think that story has played up well enough of Sasha saying, okay, you beat me with this, you beat me, you know, maybe Dana came in and interfered a bunch of times, and you go, okay, I want you and I in this Hell in a Cell, and we'll decide who the better person is. And Charlotte wins, and then that's a very good story to have Sasha go, okay, I'm falling back for a little bit. That works perfectly for me. They didn't do that, they had to have her win the title and then lose it again. To me, the optics of that I don't like. Right. So no, while in the overall idea of Charlotte winning, I don't hate I hate the idea that Banks came in as the champion right. for the second time and lost again. I got
1: to be honest. When, when, when they hit the ring, I forgot that Banks was the champion.
0: Mm-hmm. And you would, because, I, you know, how would you know that?
1: I, I forgot. I, to me, in my mind, Charlotte has always been the champion. I,
0: you're, you're not wrong. I mean, like, she has always been because Sasha has never defended that title ever. Right. She's won it twice and never defended it. And,
1: and I rem- I, I'm watching the pay-per-view, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Sasha's the champion. You know, I, I, I in my mind, for whatever reason, I saw it as a Charlotte title defense and not Charlotte winning the title back. Um, but look, again, I, I'm on team Vince McMahon again. I mean, I, I he was right all along. I really think Charlotte has has blown past the others. Uh, she just she's a tremendous heel. She's the best promo. Uh, Bailey has not um, stood out at all. Look, her booking has not been great, but she has not done anything to stand out on the main roster. And I think Bailey's in trouble. I saw her on that. um
0: Ooh, yeah, that was did, not did you, good. The raw, the raw Talk or whatever, whatever they're where calling Booker, that T's, thing. Ra- Booker T's demanding she show something. I mean, all <laughs> like... they asked
1: her to do was cut a very – they set her up on a tee, Rich. It was like putting a softball on a T. okay? Just lobbing it up there for her. All they asked her to do was cut a promo on Charlotte and say why she wanted to be champion, and she couldn't do it. She could not do it, and she choked so badly. She choked so badly and so hard, and I want everybody to go watch this because it's on the network. Go watch her on that thing. They did. They, they just said, call out Charlotte. It was so simple. Any pro wrestler, any, pro, any novice pro wrestler could have cut this promo. Rich, me or you could have cut this promo. This is the easiest promo on earth to cut, and she couldn't do it. She was stumbling over her words. She was tripping. Oh, I would just like to say – oh, here's what I would say. This is what I would say. She couldn't think on her feet. Booker T had to step in. And and not only save her, but he basically beat her down. Did you get that feel from that? It's, I felt like Booker T. I did, T yeah. Was, that
0: was that was coming from someplace place that I felt yeah, like he was
1: frustrated. Like, what's wrong right. with you? This is the, and then he cut the promo for. Her. He right. looked at and... the camera and cut an awesome promo. And 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 look, Booker T. isn't exactly uh, Ric Flair or Nick Bockwinkle. He's good,
0: but I mean, no. It, but here's here's the point that I want to bring up because I, I saw people mentioning that, and, and I agree. Here's the difference, though. When Booker T came up, they allowed wrestlers to do this. This was the thing. You you weren't taught promos. You weren't stuck in an office building in Full Sail University cutting promos in front of a camera and learning every single word and doing that sort of stuff where, I yeah, when you tell these people just to go out there and do it, yeah, some people can do it. A Daniel Bryan can do it. A Miz can do it. But a lot of these people that have been trained at Full Sail, how the hell would they know to ho- talk on their feet? How the hell would they know to do a promo on their feet when they've never been asked to do that before? They've never been allowed to do that before. They're in trouble if they do that. They, can you imagine if Bailey went out? out there one day and just cut a random promo on Raw. Like what what the hell that would would come? I mean that that's the problem. Is you don't put these people in position to succeed. So yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to totally blame Bailey for that because yeah, she bombed, but what else would she do when she's never been put in a position to do that? This
1: is another failing of the performance center in my
0: opinion. Absolutely. 100% cuz Booker T can go out there and yeah, you're like you said. Booker T is not a good promo. And that's what's so striking is go under the, the award-winning WWE Network and watch any fucking show from 1992 or whatever. Any promo that's done on there, your worst promo on a 1992 show, a 1993 show, whatever, is going to be so far and away the best promo you've ever heard in the last five years. Other than, like, The Miz on Talking Smack. Like, that is legitimately the only other one that's even close to that.
1: Booker T developed into an above-average promo over the course of his career. Um, look, I'm not burying the guy and saying he was a bad promo. He's pretty good, Okay. But the, the, it is it is mind blowing and staggering when you watch this segment how Bailey cannot cut the simplest. Of, Rich, all she has to do is 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 give some derivative of this Charlotte. I'm coming for your title promo, and they have history with each other. It should have been the easiest promo of her life, and she could, and he was visibly frustrated with her, and and frustrated in a way of where he was disappointed. I felt like he was disappointed in her. He was disappointed and frustrated, and then basically he looked into the camera and showed her how it was done. He cut the promo for her and almost to save her. It was actually embarrassing to watch for her. I was embarrassed for her. Mm -hmm. It was that that poor. And I think
0: it's an embarrassment of the entire system too. It's a failing of
1: the performance center.
0: Right. And a failing of, of the main roster, too, because I think Bailey is such a, such a slam dunk that if you it, it, it's and that's a bigger topic, probably for another day that we can do. But yeah, I, I think it's yet another thing that we talked about and we've been talking about for a bunch of weeks. This is the problem with the Performance Center is that when these people are given this opportunity to think on your feet. They can't because they've never been afforded that opportunity. They've never been told to think on their feet. They've never been, that's not a directive. You don't do that. You don't think on your feet. You, you read what we read. You, you talk about what we want you to talk about. You say what we want you to say so that any situation where they go, okay, go out there, only the best of the best can do it. And that's a failing. That's not good. What
1: are they doing in these promo classes? They, you know what they're doing? They're told to prepare something. Mm-hmm. And, then, and they read and what and they prepared. They get yeah. We've all seen the videos. okay? And then they stand up there and do what, They do their little prepared skit. That's what they're taught. They're not taught promos. They're, they're, they're essentially doing Saturday Night Live sketches is what they're doing. They're doing monologues. They're doing – and they're prepared. They're going home at night and writing these things and memorize them and then standing up in front of class and doing them, and then everybody claps for them. Oh, that was tremendous. Great job. Not learning anything. It was an embarrassment. It was a flat-out embarrassment. I was cringing for this poor girl.
0: Yeah, that was, that was not pretty, but – uh Let's talk about other embarrassments with the rest of this card uh, opener the United States Championship uh, title match Hell in a Cell Roman Reigns defeating Rusev to retain the United States title I know you hated this match I was kind of dumbfounded when I saw a lot of people going this was incredible this was great this is gonna be my match of the year and I was like I think I got a different WWE Network feed than you guys You didn't get a different, I thought this was a one awful. Me. This was
1: terrible.
0: Oh my god it never ended it was just and, and these are guys that we, we've been on this podcast talking about how many how we've enjoyed this series you said that you were looking forward to this as being probably the best of the hell in the cell match that you thought these guys would harness the hell in a cell perfectly and that this match could have been any this could have been a no dq match this could have been a heart there was no reason for this to be in a hell in a cell whatsoever they did not utilize the hell in a cell in any way they just hit each other with ring steps and plotted and plotted and it just never felt like it was ever gonna end oh i i hate it was this match.
1: never ending it felt like a never ending noah main event surrounded by a chain link fence it just there was no intensity uh it was boring um, it, it, there was nothing to it. And look, I'm sure they were told since they were the first one out to do less. I'm sure that was the case, but in, in terms of doing less with the, with the, with the, with the with the cell, but that doesn't mean you can't go out there and have an intense match and beat the shit out of each other. And the build was certainly intense. They managed to have a two-star special inside that, inside that cell with, with the tremendous build that they had. And, and I couldn't believe it because I really was confident that this would have been the best cell match. and It was by far the worst. I mean it wasn't yeah. even close. And um, the, the finish was goofy. Um, the accolade with the chain. And that was just silly. R- Reigns breaks it. I mean Rusev, this poor guy, okay? Roman Reigns… Breaks the accolade on Raw about a month ago. and, and Buried. The buried Roman and, Reigns. And, con- and yeah. Win- yeah, Roman Reigns, who, who everyone claims is not the hardest-pushed babyface on this roster. Please. Okay? He breaks the accolade on Raw and, and beats him. Uh, he never lost to Rusev during this, the course of this feud. Okay? The best – the closest they came, I believe, were like double countouts or the no contests that they had or things of that nature. And then he breaks the accolade with the aid of a chain in this match to beat it, which, yeah. fine – it's the blow off of the feud. I get it, but Rusev never got the better of this man in a match. He never beat him. He breaks the accolade left and right. I mean, you know, it's it, and then Rusev the next night on Raw gets beat up by Goldberg. I mean, they just abuse this Rusev. They,
0: they, <laughs> he always makes it through. That's the best somehow, part. I don't know he how he survives does it. it.
1: You know, and and it's like and 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 Roman Reigns couldn't have been made to look stronger during the course of this feud. I mean, he just he just you know he beat Rusev like a drum. He killed the accolade. Now, look, Rusev, I'm sure he'll get that accolade back over. But if this was any other person, I'd be worried that their finisher was dead because Roman just, you know, it, like the accolade didn't exist. And, and look at all the work that they did to get that accolade over. Remember when he was bending people in half when he was U.S. champion, whether it was Callisto or, or uh, you go right down the line, Sin Cara, all the guys that he faced, he was killing them with this accolade. And Roman Reigns breaks this move like it's nothing, even with a chain wrapped around his mouth. So it's like hey, you know, and look, I get it. You know, they're, they're, it's the range train, man. I'm talking about it all the time, you're gonna get more of this. He's never gonna get over to the level they want him to. I mean, that's that ship has sailed, you know. But it, but they're gonna keep trying, man. So it's it's just gonna you're gonna keep leaving people in Roman Reigns' week. We talk about it all the time. Rusev, I think, you think, we agree, is strong enough to recover from it, though. Whereas some people will not be and haven't been. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Bailey, Dana Brooke. I have zero strong thoughts on this match. I don't know that you do. What was either, the bro. point of this?
1: This was like a, this I, was like a superstars match. I don't it know. was like four minutes long. It was basically a squash. Um, I expected Dana Brooke to win honestly, but then it made sense since Charlotte won later that they're setting up Bailey as the next challenger. Hmm. So it, in, in real time, I was surprised, but I'm not surprised now in hindsight, uh, because it's going to be Charlotte and Dana Brooke moving forward in this division. And I know that's going to piss a lot of people off. But Vince McMahon just doesn't see what other people see in Sasha Banks and Bayley. And to be completely honest, if Vince has never watched NXT, I don't see why Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, no, exactly. If, if, if you chop off NXT, you can, you can see. I, I can <laughs> like... see where
1: he's coming from. I mean, you know, he was right about Charlotte, and, you know, maybe he's right about... The problem with Dana is she cannot... She's green as grass, and she cannot work yet. And...
0: She needs to be in NXT. She should have been in NXT for, like, two I'm more serious. years. So like, she's not ready yet, and will probably will not be ever ready on the main roster. But I, we'll, they, we'll
1: they rushed her up. It was a big mistake. She was one of those people they rushed up to prove a point. And, and yep. it's, it's, it, it, you know, but, but the good thing is she's got the big man behind her. And really at the end of the day, it's all that matters. So maybe her work will catch up at some point, but yeah, this was nothing ma- This was not a pay-per-view caliber match at all.
0: And speaking of not pay-per-view caliber, Luke, uh, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, uh, defeating big Cass and Enzo Mori again. I what I, I don't Rich, know. <laughs> Rich, <laughs> this know, was like- a
1: bad show. I mean, how do I
0: talk about that match? How do you how do we come here on a Wednesday and discuss this match? I I don't know. We
1: had a superstars match before. And this was like a raw match. This was like
0: (laughs) it was like a second hour raw match that you would kind of like you'd be doing something else and check in on. it. Okay, it's still going. All right. I'll come back in a little bit. Like just nothing. Just absolutely nothing.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, Gallows and Anderson are not a good team and they're just not interesting in any way.
0: Just systematically destroying tag divisions one by one. One by
1: one, you know, and um, you know, and and Enzo and Cass, I have no use for them. I I get why they're over. I think that they should be pushed and all that because I do think the act is over. I personally have no use for them
0: though. Yeah, yeah I mean, I enjoy the act, but uh, once the bell rings, then I'm kind of done with the act, <laughs> and that's uh, Enzo just that's, how Enzo's just is. not
1: good. I well, he's I, I mean he. That. You know he 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 sells 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 and I, I get that but it's not I don't know there's just not much to him he's just not that good between the ropes you're
0: you're you're gonna be hard pressed to ever have like an awesome Enzo Amore big cast match it, like their ceiling is like three stars you know what I mean like the best of the best would be three stars out of
1: I completely game. agree
0: and that kind of hurts so uh, Universal title Hell in a Cell Kevin Owens defeating Seth Rollins with help from Chris Jericho because yes believe it or not Joe. At some point, the cell door opened, and Chris Jericho came in yeah, I was shocked. and helped Kevin Owens. Boy. I know. I thought that thing was ironclad. I thought once you close that door, nobody can get in. But, man, they found a way. And uh, The booking it was just I, – I, I, I enjoyed this match, but, God, I hated that. just I, It was like, how do I care about that? How do I care when these two dudes are just beating up Seth Rollins? And we saw him last week beat them. It's
1: just – I gave this match – Oh, I, I, my listen, God. Listen, I gave this match a zero. I wasn't anticipating it at all, but the work drew me in. It was good.
0: No, they had a really good sequence. Uh, for there, there was a really awesome sequence in the middle of the match where they, they were kind of exchanging blows. I think they both did insecurities to each other. And then they, they, they were very creative with how they used tables and how they used that stuff. They, they stayed away from using the cage a lot again, uh, and it kind of just devolved into a tables match. But no, the work was fine, but yeah, the booking of it was just just an overbooked rot mess.
1: Yeah, it, 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 the, the work drew me in because these, these two guys are awesome, and they managed to suck me into the match. And for a moment, I forgot that it was going to end up being a a, a Raw clusterfuck. And, you know, and then they did the angle and they got Jericho in there. And then I lost all interest in the match. It went right back to how I feel when I watch this feud on Raw to where I just don't care anymore. It's just not for me. Look, this stuff isn't for me. And the match lost me at that point. I thought it was an excellent match up until that point. But then when it was two versus one, I just don't care anymore. So, um, and, and, you know, it's again, like I talked about earlier, the baby faces always have to be at some severe disadvantage. Rollins had to come into the match with an injured back. Then he had to, you know, face two men again um yeah you know, it's just i it's not for me it's boring it's dull it's the same stories they've been telling for years
0: and it sucks so for kevin owens too it's, it's, it's terrible so garbage kevin he's owens. nothing he is he is a template you could have anybody could in kevin anyone. owens spot. Could be spot right Any- and the problem is that in the match you saw you're like oh yeah you forget that kevin owens is fucking great and like if you just had him go out there and and be kevin owens he would get over as a heel and he would have great matches but they can't they have a template their champion, their heel champions are Champion X, and Kevin Owens just happens to be the current Champion X guy. So. I will
1: say it again: if if Owens and Rollins were reversed, this would be working so much better. But eh. he's fat, Rich.
0: Yeah, you know, he's got to wear a t-shirt. So that's a uh, cruiserweight title match: Brian Kendrick defeating T.J. Perkins in <sighs> this. Of all the dumb things that happened on the show, this might have been the worst for me. It's for people that didn't see this. Uh, Brian Kendrick started the match, or, or, or before the match, had a promo where, you know, he, there was always this rumor that, oh, he, he wanted Perkins to lay down for him. I need this match. I have to win. Everything that I, everything that I, I do matters for this match, and, which, which made no sense in the context of the story because he beat TJ Perkins like two weeks ago. So, like, it's not this thing where, like, I have no chance and I need you to lay down for me because that's the only way I'm going to win because you beat the guy two weeks ago. But, anyway, that's the story they were telling. Um, they do the pre-match promo and Kendrick again, you know, oh, please, you know, I, I, it'd be nice if you could lay down. I need this or whatever. Um, uh, whatever whatever. And then the match begins. Nothing really exciting in the match itself. I, I kind of thought it was just a their match. Probably the best of the, the match between those two, which isn't saying much because I really have not enjoyed much of what they've done. Um and then Brian Kendrick fakes in the injury. Uh the announcers have to sell again and look really stupid that he's actually legitimately hurt. TJ Perkins, the only person in the entire world that thought that Perkins was actually or that uh, Kendrick was actually hurt. And then, of course, Perkins goes to check on him and then Kendrick rolls him up and wins. And just Fuck You, the entire Cruiserweight division. I mean, you can't. It's a giant fuck you. You can't
1: make Perkins look like more of a geek uh, than you already have with all of his. Well, that was it.
0: That was the geek template. If you want to make a guy look like a geek, that's all the
1: video game right. bullshit and then oh falling for this when no one else was falling for it. Um, look, here's the thing with the Cruiserweight division uh, it, 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 Kendrick was all wrong to be the primary focus out of the gate. Uh, I have nothing against Brian Kendrick. I like his character. I think it's interesting. Um, I think it's different. But the problem is when they rolled out the cruiserweight division on the main roster, it should have been balls to the wall, flips, action, speed, go, 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 attention-grabbing action to get over as something different, wild, crazy, unique, all of those things. And Perkins Perkins can work any style in the world. He should have been in there with your Lindsay Dorados and your Mascara. Yeah, Lines we,
0: we saw that in the-, the last night of the Cruiserweight Classic. He worked three different styles that one night. Exactly. Like, it was crazy. And,
1: and, and that's what it should have been to catch people's attention, to show people it's something different, to remind people of 1996 WCW, to draw in fans of, of, these guys, of indie wrestling. It should have been something different, unique crazy. You cannot turn off your set when the cruiserweights come on because you're going to see people do things athletically that you've never seen before. And then once that was established and once TJ Perkins was over, then you bring in Brian Kendrick because he's so much different than everybody else. And then Brian Kendrick gets over for being different. What's different about Brian Kendrick and TJ Perkins feud than any other feud on the main roster right now? It's Definitely. a story-driven feud with the same wrestling style as everything else on the roster. Why would it stand out? It's smaller. whats what you're basically selling. Here are smaller guys who do the same things that the big guys yep. do. This is what they're selling. Which is, what's
0: actually funny is the big guys like your main events, like like look at the match that preceded, the Owens, Rollins, those guys are doing more spectacular things. And those are your big heavyweight quote unquote main eventers or whatever are doing more spectacular moves than you get in your cruiserweight matches. So it's smaller guys doing the stories that you know with matches that quite aren't, aren't quite as good as our main events. You shouldn't. Because the main events are AJ Styles and Cena and, and Owens and, and Rollins and these guys and Ambrose's or whatever doing crazy stuff and kicking out of moves and doing flips and doing awesome moves that you've never seen before. And these cruiserweights are slowing it down and you know working to the commercial breaks and and working like yeah it's just smaller guys doing the same stories right. so it's just haha look at these guys they're and, and that's
1: the key the same stories too because it's the same story bullshit that you're getting with there's literally no difference it should have been the smaller guys doing crazy nonsensical shit for a month before they even thought about bringing because here then here's what you do Then you bring in Brian Kendrick and team him with TJ Perkins and you have him turn on him during a tag match or something. That instantly gets over and grabs your attention because you're like, whoa, they don't do this. They haven't – they don't do this with the cruiserweights. They're telling a story here. This is different. And then you could have told this story with TJ Perkins and Brian – and it would have felt different and it would have had a better chance of getting over. Instead – You rolled out the division with this, and it's just the same old shit, and then you wonder why crowds aren't reacting to it. Why would they react to it? It's just two guys who aren't over, who they're not familiar with, doing the same things as everybody else with purple ropes. They absolutely botched this, and and, and Brian Kendrick was the wrong person to roll out this division. The absolute wrong person to roll out this division with. Huge mistake. On top of all the other mistakes they made, the video game silliness. And everything else, I mean, you you couldn't have – they couldn't have botched this worse. We all knew they would botch it at some point. I don't even know why it works me up because we all knew this was going to happen. Rich, I didn't think it would happen this fast. I didn't think it would happen. Look, they made a mistake on the first night. TJ Perkins was your champion with all that momentum coming off the Cruiserweight Classic three days earlier, and they didn't even put him on Raw on the (laughs) first fucking night. On the first night, they didn't put –
0: You knew it was done then. You knew it was done. And we didn't want to – we kind of said it and people were dancing and I'll give them time, give them time. But you know, if you watch this company enough, you knew, okay, well, that's it. It's not going to get any better. And it hasn't.
1: Total botch job. So now they're going to do the one-hour show on the network.
0: Yes, yeah, so here's the new announcement. You said we were going to talk about this. Uh, here's the press release from WWE. WWE announced that a new live weekly show featuring the stars of Raw's cruiserweight division is coming to the WWE Network. Try to try to stay with us here because we had a lot of people being like, "Wait, they're on Raw, but it's on Smack." Okay, stay with us here because it's going to be very confusing. Two hundred five will li- uh, will air live immediately following SmackDown <laughs> at ten p.m. Eastern on the WWE Network beginning November twenty How is it not on so, after
1: Raw? Because <laughs> I don't.
0: Know. Because Raw's already three hours, and you need a third hour to SmackDown. So, the Superstars of Raw will be the third hour of SmackDown now. Got it?
1: Yeah, yeah got it.
0: The live weekly show will be called by Mara the voice of SmackDown Live, and Corey Graves, color commentator for Raw. So, what is this a portion of a show? So it's are a are they
1: doing this from full sale or from the arenas?
0: They're doing it from the arenas, I believe.
1: So, oh, that's great. So, half empty arenas when people leave.
0: <laughs> as far as I know, I don't know. This don't quote me on that. This I...
1: has to be from Full sale. It has to be. Because everyone would leave. Who, no nice, one's going nice... to stay to watch TJ Perkins talk about Pac-Man.
0: Are they, okay? They're going to go live from Full sale though? I...
1: Yeah. They, I mean, they, they, you can't do this after SmackDown ends. How can you do this after John Cena wrestles AJ Styles? How can you do it? <laughs> no one's going to stick around for that. At the end of a long-ass SmackDown taping, this has to be from Full sale. I know it doesn't say, but it has to be. I don't, I, don't, I, don't know. I don't think it is
0: so you think these things through they don't they don't they they, they the people will stay oh well, yeah of course you know no one 's going to want it. everyone's out of there, and if you 've seen this, the attendance at those smackdown tables they 're not good anyway, so you know a thousand people leaving a smackdown show to beat traffic or go home because they have to work the next day. Is not going to be good. That's a lot of people. So uh, this is also from uh, WWE coming off the success of these, uh, coming off the success of WWE Network's recent Cruiserweight Classic, which, by the way, <laughs> yes, you do know that it was successful. Yet you chose to do the exact opposite. But anyway, uh, and the formation of the new Cruiserweight Division, which airs exclusively on Monday Night Raw, two hundred five live, which is a horrendous name, by the way. Uh, but we'll get to that maybe in a little bit. We'll feature superstars that are two hundred five pounds and under, including. WWE Cruiserweight Champion, the Brian Kendrick. They made a note to say the Brian Kendrick, so that's back, which is great. Uh, T.J. Perkins, Rich Swan, Noam Dar, Ho Ho Lun. You're gonna put him in front of a live audience. Can you imagine? Like, oh, God. Cedric Alexander, Lindsey Dorado, Grand Metallic, Tazawa, not Akira, just Tazawa, because is too much. It's too too Oriental. We don't like Orientals. Uh, Jack Gallagher and then Gerv and Harv
1: Shira. Yeah, I think there's a lot worth reading into with that roster. A good point that, Mm -hmm. a great Mm -hmm. point that you made earlier today. Go ahead and make it again.
0: There's two men that aren't on there that
1: are on TV every week.
0: Yes, and that's Drew Gulak and Tony Meeks, guys that are made mention that they're not contracted by WWE. They're contracted by Evolve, and WWE is just borrowing them. They are not listed. That is interesting.
1: So what conclusion are you drawing, Rich?
0: I don't know. I don't know if it's a flow thing. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just WN Live or, or them not wanting to advertise a guy that they don't have under contract. I don't know what it is exactly, but I just thought it was cons- – that their absence was, was conspicuous. Right. That they were not listed there among all these other guys. Who most of that which guys- we know are signed. Right, and no, we know we're signed, and, and guys that aren't on TV every week like Gulak and, and, and are. I mean, people would know that. Your average fan at this point would probably know who Gulak and are because they've seen them on TV. They're not listed, but guys like a whole one or whatever are. So I, that was interesting. Yeah. I don't know what it means in a grand scheme, but it, it, the fact that they're WN Live Contract guys are, you know, it, that's it interesting.
1: It could mean that they're no longer using the Evolve guys because they're <laughs> going to be appearing on a different... But here's the thing. They were already I mean
0: why would that preclude them for RAW? I mean, they, Jesus, they, if they were going to be on anything, they'd be on the network.
1: But here's the thing, those guys were already appearing on a different they were, <laughs> they were appearing on the WWN streaming service. Now they're just appearing on Flow streaming service. Right. So, what's the difference? Now, and WWE has money in Flow. So, it's just, you're right. It's weird that they're not on there. It's just weird.
0: Yeah, I don't I'm not I'm not coming to any conclusion. I'm just saying it's weird. And then if you look at the circumstances behind those guys versus these guys, it's interesting that those guys were not listed. Those particular two were not listed. Not one or the other, both of them. So,
1: if Ho Ho Lun were from any other country on earth, would he be getting this opportunity? <laughs> God, no. He's terrible. No. He's so bad. He's really, really, really fucking
0: bad. You're going to put him live in front of crowds. Can you Like, I, I, I wonder if, like, because we, we saw, you know, the Cruiserweight Classic, we know it was edited. Can you imagine, like, what might have hit the editing floor with Ho Ho Lun? I imagine there was things, right? I mean, he's a backyarder, and he's barely a good backyarder. He's
1: he's <laughs> like... he's really horrendous. I don't even see upside with him. I I, I don't. I, I I don't know. But um, yeah. So two hundred five live. You don't like the name? Um,
0: it just sounds like it sounds like a like a talk show from like whatever whatever town. What's the two hundred five area code? Let, let's. Are you aware of where the 205 is? Oh, you know, it's
1: funny you say that because apparently earlier today on Wrestling Observer Live, Brian Alvarez had no idea what the name meant, and he thought that the full sale area code was 205. (laughs) See, because that's what it sounds like.
0: Apparently it's Birmingham, Alabama. So it's like if there was a morning show. Right. But it was a fun morning show. It wasn't like straight up the news. It was kind of like – because there's like ABC has the news. You know what I mean? And they're like very stuffy and talk about politics and stuff. And then there's 205 Live, and it's like – you know, ethnically diverse and they kind of like chat about cool stuff and they cook and you know, like one of those morning yeah, shows two, where it's like two
1: people sitting on easy chairs with a cup of coffee and and right, exactly. Not.
0: Yeah. Like one's black, one's white because you know, you gotta, you gotta have a cool vibe and like the white person makes terrible jokes to the, the black one and they kind of roll their eyes all the time. And it's like, it's really fun. And they play like hit music when they go to commercial as opposed to like stuffy news, like, you know, and you know, they're always laughing and things happen and weird, you know, they turn the camera and you see the camera guy sometimes. And,
1: yeah, it is a zany morning show.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah. So that's 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 205 Live, but apparently it is also the the name of the Cruiserweight show. So uh 205 Live will air in the slot currently occupied by Talking Smack, of course, the weekly post-SmackDown talk show, which of course, successful thing, so let's fucking move that around and get yes, rid of what that. What are they doing with that? That will come on afterwards, Joe. So after you're done with your two hours of SmackDown, your one hour of 205 Live, you are gonna stay on the WWE Network, man, and you're gonna watch Talking Smack because now, now, think about this. Think about, okay, so Hell in a Cell was Sunday. Your normal pay-per-view, like, rundown, so you're going to have your... This is if you watch everything. So let's say you watch everything that WWE Network has. You are a, a devout WWE fan and you don't want to miss a single thing that they do. You watch the pre-show for the pay-per-view. You watch the three-hour pay-per-view. For Survivor Series, it'll be four hours. So let's say, okay, for next month. Okay, so you're going to watch the hour pre-show to Survivor Series, four hours of Survivor Series, the post-show. So what are we at? We're at six hours right now on your Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to. Monday's going to roll around. You're going to watch the, 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 the pregame show for Raw. Seven hours. You're going to watch three hours of Raw.
1: Really three and a half, but okay, 10 hours. Because they
0: go, they, they go long, yeah. Then you're going to watch Raw Talk.
1: 11 hours.
0: Okay. That's your Monday. Now you've got Tuesday. You're going to watch. They don't do a pre SmackDown show, do they?
1: I don't know the answer to that. I,
0: honestly, because I've, I've never said at Tuesday at 6, you know what I need in my life? I not content. I need more content from the World Wrestling Entertainment uh, Company. So, okay, so I have no idea. Let's say no. So you got your two hours of SmackDown. 13 hours. Okay, then you have your 205 Live.
1: 14 hours.
0: And then you have
1: Talking Smack. 15 hours. Did you, and that did did is your Tuesday. You, did you, Tuesday count, did you count the post-Raw show that they're doing now? I did, yeah, I believe I uh, so. We're up one. to 15 hours plus. That's raw talk, raw talk. That's, that's 15 hours in three days right, of WWE, a, and there's a pay per view, and we didn't even count the extra half hour or so overall. And we're not even sure if they have a pre show for SmackDown. <laughs> so you might even be able to tack on another 90 minutes to that. Okay, and then isn't Wednesday NXT? Oh God! <laughs> so if you want to, you could throw that hour of NXT on you Oh, so Jesus if you watch Christ. it all. That's somewhere between 16 and 18 hours of programming in the span of four days, if you want to keep up with all of it. Now, (laughs) no one's making you sit there and watch all of it. To be fair,
0: except Larry Zonka. Poor Larry Zonka. Uh, I mean, he's got to watch
1: every second of it. But I mean, that that is a lot to consume. You're you're asking a lot of consumer to keep up with all that. Um, You're you're absolutely right. But look, I am excited about the 205 live because I think.
0: I am too. Rich. So let's get to that. Yeah, let's let's because people are going to think that we're hating on it. We are not because I think you and I are both on board with it.
1: My hunch is this is going to be uh, sort of the alternate universe network version of the cruiserweights as opposed to the raw version of the cruiserweights. I think it's going to be competition based, athletic based. What we saw, it's going to be closer to what we saw in the cruiserweight classic than what we saw on raw. Do you agree or disagree?
0: I 100% agree. Yes. I think that was made pretty clear because they had quotes from Triple H and all that sort of thing. And and the fact that they mentioned that, you know, on on the heels of the Cruiserweight Classics, this is absolutely a – these guys are dying on the vine on Raw – Vince has no idea what to do with them. He doesn't care to use them. He doesn't, but we have all these talented guys. We sign all these guys. We built up this division. We got to do something with this. We have to resurrect this division. And this is absolutely what they're doing. And there's no way that they're going to go on there and have what they have on Raw. It's going to be a completely different alt-universe, like you said. I 100% agree. There's no way that they come here with the same universe that they are on Raw.
1: You know, it really should have been on SmackDown from the beginning. And, and, and really, that, then the third extension hour would have even made a lot of sense, too. Because mm-hmm. you could set up angles on SmackDown. And then pay them off on the network afterwards, and it would just there'd be a lot of symmetry there. It would work out perfectly. Um, look, this entire thing was botched from the start. Putting it on Raw, not putting T.J. Perkins on the first Raw, and then immediately going into we got to tell stories with Brian Kendrick, who is the antithesis of of being different when he wrestles like everybody else. And I like and look, I'm not banging on Brian Kendrick either. He was just the wrong guy to roll it out with.
0: Well, he's a great alternate. Like, in the Cruiserweight Classic, he was incredible because he was so much different than everything else. And that's what you banged home that point earlier is that different, different, different. That's the whole division had to be different. It had to look different. It had to feel different. It had to be different. Everything about this division had to be different. It had to be striking. You had to know that you were watching a Cruiserweight match and not watching whatever else is on Raw. And other than Purple Ropes, nothing else has been done to do that. It is every other Raw match, every single Raw feud. It's Everything is exactly the same. And Kendrick is exactly the same as anyone, any other mid-card heel on that entire roster. Brian Kendrick is that.
1: Do you think they've done irreparable damage to TJ Perkins?
0: Um,
1: Remember how hot he was coming off the Cruiserweight Classic?
0: Yeah, uh, it's hard to say no. I mean, if they had kept shrugging along with, with what they're doing on Raw, yeah. I think that the fact that they're doing this 205 and it's kind of kicking off real quick uh, might be able to resurrect them a little bit. But at the same time, man, they... They did a lot to hurt this guy, I and mean, he is—he's the guy that I actively like. I, I don't care to watch at all. Do you remember how like, they, excited
1: they, we were about him when he won the title? We talked. I think it. we
0: left the show and talked for two hours about T.J. Perkins in that final.
1: I wrote a love letter to him in Fighting Spirit magazine when I did the Cruiserweight Classic review. I mean, I, I was so excited about. I mean, he had really broken through. He was having great mat. I'd never seen them destroy somebody that fast, and think of the ground that covers with this. <laughs> That's it's have, pretty have, record have, fast. Have they yeah. destroyed anyone that fast? With just terrible ideas and execution.
0: Maybe Goldberg, but.
1: Goldberg with the wig. First Goldberg. First Goldberg, Goldberg. yeah.
0: First Goldberg with the wig. That was like instantly, but yeah. Other than that, no, I don't think so.
1: Hey, it's, it's just crazy. But anyway.
0: It's nuts. Nice, but no, I, I, I'm i on board with the 205 Live because I, I from the beginning, I, and you'll remember this, I said when the Cruiserweight Classic was, was wrapping up, I said I would have them be their own show on the WWE Network. And if you want to, every so often, have them pop up on Raw or have them pop up on SmackDown or have them pop up on a pay-per-view and go, oh, these are the stars of the WWE Network exclusive Cruiserweight show or whatever. That was my plan all along. I said that would be the best thing because I just did not trust in any way for Vince McMahon or the brass WWE to be able to book these guys properly. And people were saying, oh. Oh, give it time or oh you're so negative and i know this company i've been watching this long enough to know exactly what the fuck was gonna happen and you know what we got off pretty good because they didn't even get Kotobushi. they didn't even get akira Tazawa. they didn't even... imagine those guys yeah they they had two you know american dudes on there and they couldn't do it can you imagine if Tazawa was up and, there And the
1: temptation to just do yeah absolutely we don't even need to go down that road
0: I mean, they, they kind of did it with Rich Swan. They kind of tiptoed the line there, and they never really went full on with it. But that could have been the same thing. Can you imagine Tozawa and Rich Swan? on that? I mean, that would have just been listen, utter. Uh, listen,
1: I, I, I said it weeks ago. Rich Swan is one bad Vince McMahon idea away from being a dancing black homeless man. I mean, he, he's really. <laughs> am I wrong, though? I mean, you're not. He's no, almost I mean... too charismatic for his own good.
0: Right, because Vince is going to see that, and that's the problem with Tozawa, is that Vince would see that once and go, oh my god, look at
1: that guy. Tozawa like,
0: like, would do some one funny thing one time, do one funny thing. And now he's energy. a comedy guy oh, yeah. forever.
1: I, I, right. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good point, too.
0: So, so we got off pretty good on that. So I, I was always on board with it being the, it's a separate show because I think this division, it, it, it's dying on Raw. It's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to get any better. Anybody who thinks it's going to get better, you're, you're naive and you're, you're just, you're ignorant. You're, you're just not allowed. You, you, know what gonna, you know what's happening here. You know what it's going to be. So I think having them be on their own show, whether it's confusing uh, you know, it's kind of a mess. It's all this sort of stuff. Well, regardless, I think it's always gonna, it, it's going to be better to be on its own show, and I think the division is going to flourish because of it. And it might be still a train wreck on Raw, but I think 205 Live is going to be worth your time every single week.
1: I, I'm glad you're doing this, and I'm 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 hoping that it resurrects things and fixes it.
0: Are you clapping for a uh a Indian score? I am. Okay, I was wondering, yeah, because it, it happened to coincide with my game day. So that's there you go. You're on the uh you're 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 going for is it is it a, is it a Reds Cubs thing?
1: No, I don't. Look, I'm rooting for the Indians. So this is going to be obviously the game will be over when people hear this. But right. um, I am rooting for the Indians. I, I, you know, I don't hate the Cubs or anything like that. Um. okay. I, I kind of do hate the Cubs now. Yeah, I it's honest, fine. Yeah, I kind of so hate the good. Cubs now. Um, okay. I, I didn't hate them, but now I do kind of hate them. I just, oh,
0: welcome, yeah, to I my, welcome to my okay. world. So I'm glad. <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, oh, sorry. Shit. I forgot about this match. <laughs> yeah, we're Cesaro. not done with the show. I forgot about the WWE Raw Tag Team Title match. Cesaro and Sheamus. Oh, God, this finish. Jesus Christ.
1: God what damn What a it. poorly booked show, right? God
0: damn it. I hate this finish. I hate it so much. Cesaro and Sheamus defeating the New Day by disqualification. After ten minutes, you're gonna have you do this whole match, and then you're gonna have the dumbest fucking disqualification ever, where Kofi is beating up Sheamus on the outside and gets disqualified for it. God damn it! I forgot about this finish. Jesus Christ! I hate this show. This show was awful. It wasn't this
1: show terrible. I mean, yeah.
0: And I forgot. Oh Jesus! I forgot that that in a row. Those finishes in a row was just like fuck you. That was just.
1: You know what's funny? Yeah. And, and <laughs> I've had it with the New Day too. They can they can hit the bricks. I've had enough of the New Day.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of bored with that old act too.
1: But but. the thing about this show, and think about the Noah Great Voyage show that we talked about last week. I don't think the wrestling was any better or worse on either show. They were both pretty average shows bell to bell. But we were positive about The Great Voyage in general. In general, we were positive about that show. And in general, we're super negative on this one. Why? The booking. The booking on The Great Voyage show was great from top to bottom. It seemed like they made all the right decisions, all the right booking moves. Things made sense. The booking on this show was horrendous.
0: This was, like, early 90s WCW. You know what I mean? Where they, like, had no idea what they were going to do with any finish, so everything was just, like, a fuck finish, a DQ, a run-in, a no decision. You remember those? Like, that? Like, 90, like 93 was great about that. I think, like, 91 was great about that, too, where nothing got, like, a good finish. Everything was just a garbage-ass... Like, the matches would be pretty solid, and then the ending would be, like, 16 minutes, and then Ricky Steamboat would just get, like, DQ'd for doing something, and, and it'd, make, it'd make no sense in the world. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it kind of felt like that a lot, which is not good. You don't want that. You don't want to be... Not 1991 or 1993 WCW, uh, ideally. But.
1: We talked about the cruiser, the awful Cruiserweight finish, Sasha Banks on the, on the stretcher, Chris Jericho getting in the cage, this match, which was just, I mean, who knows what was going on at the end of this match. The booking on the show was just, it was just terrible. And it really brought the show down. I, I really hate, Rich, I hated this show. I, I, I did. Yeah. I,
0: the more I think about it, I really dislike
1: I, it. I did, this was just not an enjoyable show on any level. I just hated this show. Uh, the best thing about this show may have been the cruiserweight six man on the pre-show. And, and to be fair, I, look, I didn't. Look, the yeah. Main event was.
0: The main event was good, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it suffered from some tropes yeah. that you kind of avoid, like to avoid. Yeah, like,
1: like, I the, the main event, I can't really rip the, the main event. It was, you know, you gave it four stars for fuck's sake. I almost gave it four. But the, but the rest of it, you know, you take away the stretcher thing, and I have no beefs really with it, you know, and then, then the little bit of slopping it. The rest of the show, though, God, poorly booked. It just, it just, it's stuff where you're just, by the end of the match, you're just like, ugh, you're just making, like, that Larry David face, like, ugh, you know, like, what is this shit? Just a, just,
0: yeah, particularly that middle I, – I forgot how awful that middle gap was between, like, the Owens-Rollins thing where that was kind of a fuck finish, the Kendrick Perkins is the fuck finish, and then that raw tactics. I don't know, it was just like, fuck you. I mean, that's that's what now? We got 23-10. So that's almost – yeah, it's almost 45 minutes of your life that they just said, none of this matters. The
1: entire, the entire middle of the show. It, 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 the opener of the booking was fine, I guess. You want, you know, Reigns win the wind of feud, that's fine. But that match was just boring. Yeah, I guess if you
0: want to add in the Bailey and all those. So you, you basically got an hour of just, like, go to hell. We, we don't give a shit about you. you like. You,
1: Everything besides the first match and the last match, everything from the, the, Rusev and Reigns until Sasha hopped off the stretcher, which is horrible booking and 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 terrible stuff that was hard to watch. Yes.
0: Uh, all right. Let's 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 get some good get some positivity here as we, we, we get ready to close out the show. Power struggle coming up uh, this Saturday, uh, New Japan uh, Saturday. Right, it's the fifth. That's Saturday leading into – yeah, so that'll be Friday night for some people, uh, Saturday morning for some of our American fans, but uh, Saturday in Japan. uh, New Japan's power struggle. So we're going to preview the show here. Uh, You want to start from the beginning or you want to go to the top and then work our way down? Well,
1: overall thoughts, I think um, another great sign for New Japan is they have a lot of positive momentum that they're carrying through since the G1. This show sold out 12 days ahead, which is – Which is insane. It's amazing. (laughs) It's a huge feather in Tetsuya Naito's cap. He's main eventing against uh, Jay Lethal, a match that had no business selling out uh, that quickly, at least. Um, I think Tanahashi being in his first meaningful match in a very long time, um, at least since the G1 has something to do with that and uh, a strong semi-main event against Sonata. I think people are excited to see Tanahashi do something important. But all, most credit here has to go to Naito. This is very impressive
0: Pastive, for yeah. this
1: show to sell out that far in advance with that week of a main event. Because, Rich, this is the weakest New Japan main event for a major show that I can think of.
0: I mean, you really got to go back. I mean, you really, really, really have to go back. I don't. I, can, um, I
1: genuinely cannot think of
0: a. <laughs> not as long as we've done this podcast, I don't. No, think I don't one. think there
1: is because Jay Lethal is not even close to being over, and, right. and this feud that he's having with now, 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 admittedly, the Elgin injury forced their hand here. This was not the plan, but, but still. The lethal Naito feud isn't even a feud that was shot for Japan. It was an it was a U.S. it was a Ring of Honor feud. Yeah, exactly.
0: The fact that they sold any tickets after they said Elgin's not going to be here anymore and Lethal's replacing him is is, is a feather in Naito's cap.
1: Right, because the the, the the angle was a Ring of Honor angle, which and Ring of Honor, to my knowledge, does not air in Japan. So unless you're a super hardcore New Japan fan um, who you know follows American wrestling on the internet or whatever the case may be, uh, you don't even you you didn't need. Know that these men even broke up until.
0: I'm almost positive they did something on the last pay per view. I, I think
1: maybe not even yeah, they, the they were on opposite sides.
0: Yeah, I think they played a video too about it, and they probably mentioned some stuff. But again, like we're, we're this is the main event, and right. it's, it's 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 relied upon to sell out sell out a show, and it's not. I mean, it's not even. It's not like it's a match of two guys that, like, even if the feud, like, ignore that it's a feud. It's not like it's two guys that you go, oh my God, I got to see Lethal and Naito. I can't wait to see what those guys do in the ring. It's not even that type of match either. It's a feud. It, the match is happening because they built up a feud, but a lot of your audience doesn't know that it's even a feud. So it's, it's, it's weird in that sense where it's not like a, a knockout, dragout. I don't care what the feud is. I don't care what the buildup is because these two dudes are awesome. It's not that. It's half. The, I mean, it's, it's all Naito. I mean, it's 100% you got to give the credit to
1: Naito. And Lethal has not been good in New Japan. And, but this no. is a big opportunity for him. I um, think
0: not being a heel anymore will help, and not being kind of the Truth Martini yes. caricature of a heel is going to help him a lot. Because I think he was forced, or at least he felt like he had to do that American heel style. And I think now he can kind of open his wings a little bit, uh being the baby face. I, I, I think he's going to work uh, better here, but you never know.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, you know, Naito will win here, and then presumably... You know, Tanahashi's going to beat Sonata in the semi-main event, which um, will set up Tanahashi's challenge of Naito probably at the end of the show, correct? Yep. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. Tanahashi I mean, will it. come out and challenge him. and
0: it's 100% going to happen. And then this happens every year at Power Struggle, and it's every year. Everybody goes through the same thing with Tanahashi, and it's like he rests, he rests, he rests, and then in the fall, he gets going. He has a pretty good World Tag League. People go, oh, my God, Tanahashi's kind of good. Then he has a great Wrestle Kingdom match, and everybody goes, oh, Tanahashi's great, and then <laughs> rinse and repeat. So we will do this all this is your every Tanahashi month, every year. We'll do it yeah. now
1: until he f- breaks down for good. A right. great Wrestle Kingdom match. Disappear basically until G1. Remind everyone that he's the best motherfucker on the planet during the G1 disappear again until he power struggle. Like you said, um, and then gear up for the dome again. I mean, that that's, that's what he is. And look, I expect this match with Sonata look, to to be pretty great. I mean,
0: well, they killed it on, on the G one night one. I mean, that was awesome. So, and,
1: and, and I think that there'll be callbacks to that match. Cause we all know Tanahashi loves his callbacks. The guy is a thinking man's wrestler. So they're not just going to go out there and have a match. There's going to be some depth to this. I think that, uh, for Sonata too, Long term, listen, I've been on. I've been telling people on this show, this guy is going to be a star in this company someday, probably 2018. You're going to have to wait a while. Uh, you're going to have to wait for him to sign a contract. You're going to have to wait for him to get the lion's mark, like people like to say. But this guy has superstar written all over him. Uh, these, these Tanahashi matches are no accident. It's OK. Okay, that Sun- Sonata is at a point in his New Japan career where it's okay that he gets beat like a drum. It's not the matter long term. His his look, this is going to be one of those classic good losses. If the match is if the match is good, this is one of those character building positive losses for Sonata is what this is going to be. There's no you know, he can lose this match as long as he looks good, as long as he takes Tanahashi to the limit.
0: Yeah, if there's like that one spot where it's like, oh my God, he might be Tanahashi, and then Tanahashi kicks out, that's like all you really need. You know what I mean? Like that one where, where Sonata just has him on the ropes for a little bit, and it looks like he's got it won, and he doesn't because Tanahashi's just a little bit better. That's fine. That's all you need.
1: And Tanahashi's going to make sure this is a great match. I mean, you, you know, Tanahashi has an ego too. Uh, so, uh, and Tanahashi, you know, wants to look good uh, heading into the dome, heading into his uh, um, uh, match against, uh, against Naito. And remember, Sonata won the G1 match. So, again, it's that long-term booking that Gato does. I mean, it, you know, this was all obviously plotted out very carefully, and now Tanahashi, this is twofold. He's going to avenge that loss against Sonata, and by doing so, he earns the Intercontinental title shot against Sonata's stablemate in Naito. So this is one of those shows where you're not going to get a bunch of surprises at the top of the card, but this is all stuff that 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 makes sense moving forward, heading into their biggest show of the year, and you can't really complain Uh, That the booking is predictable from that perspective, because those are you know, these are look, these are obviously obvious finishes, but they're the right finishes and they make sense with the long term Mm -hmm. story that's being told
0: absolutely, Uh, we'll move on to the never open weight title it's uh, Katsuri Shibata defending his title against Evil, I thought the build of this has been really fun because Shibata just doesn't think that Evil deserves a title Evil's not really worth his time and I really fully expect that Shibata just kills this guy Uh, because that's kind of the story they've been doing with Shibata and I I think that'd be a cool visual, like I don't think Evil really loses a whole lot in that because he's kind of a, you know, he's kind of floating in in, literally sometimes floating in space (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I don't think it's a problem if Shibata just comes in here and kicks the hell out of this guy and in 10 minutes he kind of dispatches him and goes, alright, I'm ready for my next challenger and it's it's Go Shiozaki again saying okay I'm back like let's do this at the dome I want one more chance you know uh, let's do you know, I, I, I think it, do, you, do you see anything less than that do you see Evil taking him to his limit or do you think this is a, just a kind of a Shabbat beat down
1: no I think this will be a good match I think that again though Evil loses nothing by losing he's again another guy who's at that point where he can lose matches like this and it's no mm-hmm. problem and he's another again he won his G1 match look that was the most predictable match in the G1 from the beginning we saw that mm. on the last day and we said oh Evil's going to beat Shibata, knock Shibata out of contention, and earn himself a never title match. And that's exactly how it played out. And then they did the great angle uh, where Go Shiozaki came out to challenge Shibata. And then Evil attacked uh, Shibata from behind, which was a tremendous angle. And we were all dumb again, Rich, because when they announced the Shibata-Shiozaki match, For Noah Great Voyage, we all wondered why it wasn't a title match. Again, New Japan does not announce multiple title matches ahead of time for their champions. Evil had the next title bout. So, of course, the Shibata Go match was not going to be a title match. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. so you think Shibata uh, will will win here. And then hopefully, hopefully, Go Shiozaki either makes an appearance or – because this would be the place to shoot the angle – and, um, and they do that match again at the Dome. My fear, though, Rich, my fear is that Cody Rhodes somehow, some way, with his millionaire fantasy camp, backdoors into the Shibata Ooh. Dome match. And, I mean, that would be terrible because I think the match we all want in the Dome is that heated, definitive, feud-ending, shibata Go Shiozaki match. Throw the Never Title on the line on top of it. Let those guys go. That's what we want as fans of New Japan. I don't think any fan of New Japan wants to see Cody R coming into the Tokyo Dome and eating up the Shibata match. I fear Mm -hmm. that, though. I fear that that's what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, my, my like little fancy that I have in my head is that Shiozaki, because it, it would make it would be so much cooler too if he like it comes through the crowd or something like that. You know, after the match just like comes through the crowd, he's in street clothes and just beats the fuck out of Shibata. You know what I mean? Like one of those things where he's like, Yeah, you don't have to give me a title shot, but I'm gonna give you a reason to give me a title shot. You know, that would be my dream scenario there. And that really heats up that feud and makes it something that's a lot more fun uh, and really kind of gets. But yeah, you're right. It, it might be Cody R and that's that's just no good. So I, I, I yeah, we want I want she I think most people would want that. And, that. and that's such a super hot feud, too. And Shiozaki's so over in New Japan, too. It would be such a waste uh, to just not pounce on that for the dome and, and have it go to Cody. I mean, that just for the sideshow that is, you know, Cody Rhodes coming in. Do you in, think so. there's a
1: chance Shibata doesn't go into the dome as champion and that evil could win this?
0: Uh, no, I, I see no chance.
1: I'm gonna go twenty five percent. Okay. I'm not. I mean, that's like, I'm not saying there's a good chance. I think Shibata wins. I don't think it's a hundred percent like the like the other two matches. Like Tanahashi's a hundred percent.
0: see, I, th- I think this one's a hundred. But yeah, no, that, that's interesting. Naito's but... a
1: million percent.
0: I, I don't. You don't think Jay Lethal's <laughs> going to? <laughs> what do you mean? I, you know, <laughs>
1: but I mean, this one, I, I don't know. I give evil a sliver of hope. Okay. All right.
0: I don't, but that's fine. <laughs> that's maybe maybe they want to change it up here a little bit. Uh, do they have another other shows that they can have that? Cause you, you, so you're saying Evil wins and then he goes to the Dome with the, the
1: title? Yes.
0: Okay, then Shibata doesn't win it because back in some Shibata, weird show before. Because
1: Shibata, I think, can have a match with Shiozaki or Cody R, and it's going to be a big match regardless. Okay. I think you can add another big match if you have Evil defending again. Look, I'm not, sa- look, I'm not predicting that. What I'm saying is it, would, it isn't the most far-fetched thing.
0: No, it's it's not. Okay. I, I I see your angle there. Um IWGP tag team taught of you the champions, of the gorillas of Destiny versus Ishii and Yoshihashi.
1: Well, I mean, just based on the way that the uh the dome show seems to be shaping up, you would think, you know, Ishii and Goto don't have programs and they're big enough stars to where they're you would think that they'd have a program going into that show and they're not gonna be Rambo guys or eight man tag guys. So everyone seems to think it's gonna be Ishii and Goto winning the World Tag League. So if that is the case, unfortunately God is going to win this match, right? Because yeah. Now Ishii and Yoshihashi have been a team longer than Ishii and Goto have been. And um, obviously they got their big win. Remember when Yoshihashi tapped out Sonata in that big tag match where Ishii saved the day. And that was a great moment and all that. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, it just makes too much sense. Like Yoshihashi. Yes. He's been elevated to some extent this year, but he's a guy that's still, he hasn't necessarily earned a big time spot at the dome. Right. 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 You can have him in a six man tag. Like I, I think it would be insulting if he was in the Rambo again. I think Yoshihashi has earned a spot on the card. I would, I would go that far, but I don't think he's earned like a big singles match or a big, you know what I mean? A big title match, That, you know, I don't think it's to that extent with Yoshihashi. So I do think they're going to do the Ishii Goto thing, which means unfortunately God will retain here. Now, a bigger question for you. Do you think Ishii and Yoshihashi can get a good match out of these guys?
0: Um, I do. I really do. Um, They've been a little bit better. I don't know if it's Tomatonga that's kind of stepped up a little bit. But I, I think over the past few weeks, I think they've been a lot better. Than they have prior. I've been watching some of the shows. You know, the Road Two show. They were they were okay. They were serviceable. I think. I don't know what got into Tama Tonga, but I think he realizes I got to do everything here. I got to do a lot of heavy lifting because he's been way more dynamic. Less less of like kind of the slithery type guy. And he's been a little bit better at bumping and doing that sort of stuff. So I have no doubt that like Tomatonga, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi can have a very good match. And if they keep Tonga Rao, like. Basically just kind of there for whatever for catching guys. That's probably okay. But yeah, if Tonga does the heavy lifting again, like he has been doing, I th- I think it can be a solid.
1: Tonga's thing. fine and Loa hasn't been awful.
0: He was No, they've been okay. They've been improved. And I never thought I would say that, but uh the preview that I, I wrote that which should be on the website by the time most of you guys listen to this, um, I said I, I can't believe it is you know, maybe I'm sick, I don't know what it is, but I'm almost mildly accepting them as a team now. They, they've gotten better, and I did not think we were going to get to that they, point.
1: They're at the point now where they're just there, which is fine.
0: Which is fine, no, because it was, like, actively awful before, and now it's, it, it's fine. They're still <laughs> not
1: over. That's a problem. What?
0: No, they still get no reaction, but they're fine now, <laughs> which is okay. Like, we wanted that. That's the, we got that, so that, that's good. Um, uh, IWGP junior heavyweight title, uh, the champion Bushi defending it against Kushida.
1: So Kushida goes into the dome as champion, right?
0: Right, and that's what I think is the most logical thing, but I actually did a little bit of research when I was doing my Power Struggle um, preview, and and Joe, I, I kind of want to ask you this. I'll stop her head. Yeah, of course, you, you're pretty good at, at these sort of games that we play. Who's the last junior heavyweight champion to not have one successful defense before they lost the title? Oh. I think you'll know the first one, and I, I'm going to give you two. I, I think it's better if you do two, but I want you to get the first one for me if you can.
1: Wait, so there's two that didn't have a single successful... Two of the most recent ones. In recent vintage.
0: There's going to be a reason why I, po- I chose two in a little bit, but yeah. But but in, in, on top of your mind, if you can figure out guys in recent vintage that that um, well, did well, not well, have a successful...
1: Kushida's one.
0: Right. Kushida's first one, and that was in July of 2014, and that was one that I, I kind of didn't want to count because it was kind of accidental obviously there was the injury to Kotobushi and Kushida just kind of seemed to to backdoor himself into that and it never seemed like they wanted to give him the title because he immediately lost I, it I was will like, go
1: to my deathbed that that match was they called an audible I don't <laughs> think he was supposed to win that match uh so he's won
0: right because then when you see the the history of them doing that you'll see it's oh, not something they do with that often so yeah it, it did seem like it was kind of out of place after that, can you guess who it was? So that was July 2014. Which, by the way, that's a far way to go—is all the way back to July 2014 to get the last guy. But could you name me the guy after Kushida? Let's let's so, just qualify Kushida. So you mean Kushida. before Kushida? Oh, uh, before Kushida. Yeah,
1: sorry. So before 2014, there was another junior champion who only who had zero successful title defenses. Right. Taguchi. No. Who is it? Loki. Ah.
0: October 2012.
1: Wow. That's really. Cool.
0: That's a long time ago.
1: Yeah, well, I think we're going to get it again, though.
0: I do too. <laughs> I was just saying it's kind of they don't do it often, but I there's no scenario where I don't see Kushida having that title at Wrestle Kingdom facing, you know, an Osprey or somebody in a big time. Now spot. the like opponent,
1: that, I have no idea where they're going with that.
0: Because Osprey really hasn't been built up. I mean, we kind of all thought that a few months ago, but they really have to light a fire under that he guy does nothing to get him but going. Lose. So right, I, so I don't know. That, he doesn't seem like the guy. We kind of thought that was a long-term story as Osprey wins it at the Dome, but, I mean, we are not in that <laughs> realm right now. I don't know, and I don't know if the, what they're going to be able to do during World Tag League to really fire him up to that level. So, I, I don't know. He doesn't seem like the logical one. I don't know who it's going to be, I'll but... Get, I'll yeah, let me I, write down I, some guys for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Unless we're missing someone obvious. Um, and this is going under the assumption... Cody R! No, this was... is going under the assumption Kushida wins. <laughs> right, which, you know... Ricochet.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's kind of a tag guy now, but they can kind of transition him out of that if they want. He's a guy that's at least successful enough where if he came out of nowhere and, and, and said, I want a title shot, it wouldn't be out of the realm, possibly. If Osprey did that, you would laugh because it's like, oh, what? What? No. <laughs> what have you done? Can't
1: you see Ricochet coming out after this match, right, and going nose to nose with Kushida and saying he wants a shot at the title? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we talked about Osprey. He never wins. I, and, and he's be- been beaten by Kushida twice. I don't see how they justify that one. Um. How about Tiger Mask W?
0: <laughs> I mean, okay. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm
1: asking you seriously. No, you're no. I mean, that that's yeah.
0: I don't know who's under the Tiger Mask W hood, but yeah, I can see that.
1: How about ACH? Uh,
0: no. I don't think he's there yet.
1: How about Taiji Ishimori?
0: Uh, kind of the same as ACH. I I just don't know. I don't that think ready there'd be enough that. juice there. No, it'd be kind of weird. It's like, well, no, you just want to do your tag thing. Like, what are you doing? No. And it
1: also depends whether they win that match or not, which is the next sure. match we're going to talk about. Roppongu, well, that'd be silly,
0: too, if they lose and then <laughs> challenge it. That's a, that's like, a no, good
1: point, but... too. You, like, lose like you lose immediately before this match, and then you come and then out come and go, yeah, all right, <laughs> I'm moving on up, And if so. they win, they're obviously facing the Bucks. So, you know, so, yeah, so if you could forget those two. So, really, your choices are Ricochet, Willow Spray. If they do the Tiger Mask thing, we know Tiger Mask is going to wrestle at the Dome. We know that for a fact. Tiger Mask W is going to be on that card. The question is, is it going to be a pre-show match? Is it going to be on the show? Um, you know, and 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 if he's going to be on the show, you, you know, where is Kota Ibushi like during this week? Is he going to be around to come out and possibly?
0: Um, what is he? Is he torn with NXT right now?
1: He I know he's on, on their the Los Angeles
0: LA show. Yeah, or the LA shows. I have no idea what Kota Bushi's doing. He knows right
1: where now. that man is.
0: <laughs> he could pop up anywhere.
1: <laughs> Literally anywhere. But yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know where they go. Now, it, it, by the same token, if Bushi wins, again, where do you go? Because that, he would have beaten Kushida twice. You're not going to do the Kushida match again. And then where does that leave Kushida? Whereas I think Bushi, you could do anything with him at the He could be in the Rambo. You know what I mean? Bushi, that's fine. Kushida's a guy. You want to give him a decent match. So that's why I think Kushida's winning. The question is, I don't know where they're going with his opponent, unless we're missing something obvious. I think it could be Tiger Mask W, I really do.
0: So you're you Kushida and Tiger Mask W? I
1: think it very well could be at the dome. Yeah,
0: that's, yeah the problem with that is like, Tiger Mask W is such a, a, a hero. You know what I mean? Like That's almost two uber baby faces against one another. But I guess you could do well, that. Well,
1: it, it's going to be Ricochet then.
0: I can see that. I think that's a little I, bit
1: more It's going to be Ricochet.
0: Is it possible that Tiger Mask W... Uh, Bushi wins and then Tiger Mask W challenges him, the evil Bushi. Oh, that's,
1: about, eh, that's not bad.
0: Is that a possibility? Yeah. I think Tiger
1: Mask W might be facing someone else, though.
0: I do, too, but... Hey, we'll see. Should be a fun match regardless, Bushi and Kishiro. Someone
1: else on this card, Rich, I think he's facing.
0: Ooh, okay. All right.
1: Someone else on this card, but not...
0: Bone Soldier.
1: <laughs> but not as who they are on this card.
0: Oh, okay, okay. I'm trying to look through. All right, I'm gonna keep listing names, and to... oh, oh, um... I think he's.
1: Fa- I think Tiger Mask W is facing someone in this next match. Yeah, talk,
0: yeah, I got you now. I got you where you're at. Super Junior Tag Team Tournament Final: Rapungi Vice, Rocky Romero, <laughs> and Trent Beretta versus ACH and Taiji Ishimori. You think their uh, darkness will be in the uh, coming very soon for a certain uh, tag team, and one man in particular will be
1: the. The tides have sort of changed, and people think Rapongi Vice are going to win this match and overcome their differences and then get the title shot at the Dome or be involved in a wacky three-way because now ACH and Taiji Ishimori have a claim to a title shot as well for beating the Bucks. So we could be headed to another awful three- or four-way, or if ACH and Ishimori win, they'll just simply face the Bucks at the Dome, which is what I would prefer to see. And Rapongi Weiss would then do the split-up angle. The problem is, well, I don't want to talk about that now. I don't know if I can talk about that now. But I'm kind of on the side. I'm I'm swinging towards the side of the people who think Rapongi Weiss are going to overcome their differences and win. Let me just put it that way. Okay. And I think... Other people in this match will be involved in some other things at the Dome.
0: Mm, interesting. Okay. Not where I thought you were going. Thought we got Romero. Now, okay, now, Ramero, all right,
1: all right. now Romero could do the Black Tiger thing.
0: Yeah, that's where I thought you were going, but you're not. Okay.
1: All right. Or someone else in this match could do a different sort of thing.
0: Do You think any ACH is lobbying for an uh, anime character?
1: I think ACH...
0: <laughs> is dying is not... to, to be an anime character?
1: I think ACH has a future... In New Japan, beyond this show and beyond the Tokyo Dome. Okay,
0: interesting.
1: That's what I think.
0: I am still, in the, I still have ACH and Nishimura went in here, but uh, I, I, there's pretty cool too. But uh, it has been interesting to see the swing back to Roppongi Vice. Um, yeah, I don't know. Aren't That'll they making to it
1: too obvious? Little...
0: uh, it would. I mean, it's like, yeah, I don't know. But sometimes it is the most obvious thing. But yeah, it is a little like on their, on on the road to power struggle, like. Romero went to go tag Beretta and then just told him to go fuck himself or something like that. And then like they hugged afterward. It's like so tense that like, yeah, it seems weird, but I guess we all want a little bit more out of that division. So we're hoping that it's not just Rapungi Vice versus the box versus, you know, you know, we don't want that again. Cause we've seen that so many times, but yeah, it, it, it you know, okay. I, I, I still, I, I'm still going ECH uh, and Ishimori, but okay. I, I, I now have more stronger thoughts towards Rapongi Vice, but I still do think it's going to go the other way. Um, Okada, Goto, Will Ospreay, and Gato versus Kenny Omega, Adam Cole, and the Young Bucks. I am really looking forward to this. Um, and I put in the preview here. I mean, when you look at the guys in here, yeah, it, it's kind of an inconspicuous random match or whatever. But you look at the guys... That, that that make up this match and every single one of them like fits this match to a T and I'm sure they're gonna kill it because you know Okada is awesome at multi-mans. I'd I'd put him up against anybody else in a multi-man tag match. I mean that guy always delivers. Uh, Will Ospreay is Will Ospreay. I mean you know he's gonna do some good stuff. Gato is Gato. Gato's awesome. Uh Kenny Omega's an awesome character. And the Young Bucks have just been awesome these past few months. I mean they have just I don't know what's happened. They kind of turned it on New life. I don't know what it is, but those guys are all awesome. And then you have you know Goto and and Adam Cole, which are fine. Like those guys are great too. So I, I think this is going to surprise a lot of people with how good it is.